Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Alan Maldonado, a.k.a. Rooster Robbins, and you are watching the Below the Belt Show. Okay, let me tell y'all something. It's Rooster Robbins, the best athlete you're going to ever see in the ring, and any of these four corners you want me to jump off of, I'm landing on the straight flat, up and down. One, two, three, it's me, Rooster Robbins, ready to take over the game if you give me the championship belt. Now, let me tell you something. Anybody else wearing that championship belt is unauthentic and unreal and not magical every time they step into that square circle. So if you want entertainment, you want some joy, you want excitement, you make Rooster Robins champion ASAP. That's all I'm saying. That's all y'all need to know, and I'm dropping the mic. The Below the Belt show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up, goes down. right it's time for another episode of btb below the belt show in the mother effing house i'm your host al soto aka celebrity soto your host with the absolutely most here for your weekly pleasure (laughs) and so far it's a two-man panel i'd like to introduce my guest co-host for this evening for the first half of this illustrious episode he is affectionately known as dean on the scene that's right, Dean Rogers from the Rogers Review, back on BTB. Hey, hey, welcome back. It feels good to be back. Yes, we're glad to have you back, Dean. And uh, I got to give you props uh, for uh, letting myself and Below the Belt show become aware of an amazing event that we attended last week. And um, luckily, um, the powers that be uh, were, were able to get... Below the Belt show uh, on the carpet, and that's uh, for the annual National Hispanic Foundation of the Arts event, Noche Musical. So previous years, it was Noche um, de Gala, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, so this year it was Noche Musical. I'm not sure on the name change. It's still the, the same amazing event it was. Well, actually, there year. was a reasoning for name change, which I found out Um during the presentation and during the research that the past year they brought in four artists, four young artists who are now residents for the program itself. And they were so impressed by their musical talents that they decided to change it from Noche de Gala to Noche de Noche Musica to continue their talents. In fact, the four young artists that we got to review, we got to talk to on the red carpet 
are the four artists that were there last year who inspired the name change. Interesting. I did not know that that uh, that uh, reasoning behind the name change. So th- these were the same artists that performed last year. You're saying? Yes, that's correct. Fantastic, and they did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, um, the musical performance uh, was a great part of the the event. But uh, it was all about honoring um, some great Latino American um, artists, um, actors, if you will. From the uh, from the big screen and the small screen. Well, um, remember, the actors were still in the um, SAG after. Well, SAG after started now. It's no longer SAG after w, WGA strike now. It's just we did only be one actor. <laughs> that's 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 true. So uh, that being the case, we got to talk to. And he he shares my name namesake, my same namesake, uh, Angel Manuel Soto. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. That's right, the director of Blue Beetle, also Charm City Kings, um, a really awesome guy. Actually, in Sundance 2020, I got to attend the premiere of Charm City Kings, which was the definite highlight of my uh, Sundance trip. That was right before the pandemic hit. Um, and uh, we talked to Angel Manuel Soto. Mm-hmm. Um, we also got a chance to chat with Eugenio Derbez. You might know him from Coda. He was the the very charismatic uh, music teacher of mm-hmm. um, of the lead actress in that particular film, which actually won an Oscar. So um, that's a big deal. We also talked to. Camila Marone, who you might know from Daisy Jones and the Six on Amazon. Um, she is very stunning. Also, the ex-girlfriend, if you didn't know, of Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Um, we also talked to Ramon Rodriguez from the um, network television um, series Will Trent. And, uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm happy to say that we're going to play two of those feature interviews on tonight's broadcast, courtesy of Below the Belt Show. Of course, you can also check out Dean Rogers, the Rogers Review, uh, for the Rogers Review interviews. But for the Below the Belt Show interviews, tonight we're going to hear Angel Manuel Soto and Eugenio Derbez tonight. So gotta, I'm excited. Oh, we tell what, um, what we're there for. Uh, for those who do not know, because um, Angel, he was named the top honor of this year's Noche Musica. He is the 2023 Raul Julia Award for Excellence honoree. So he earned the top honor. And, you know, for him to direct the first Latino superhero movie of yes. all time. And especially okay. considering it was just last year that um, the lead actor, Cholo, he earned, he was one of the awardees from last year. So That's this right. is one of the first time that we had back-to-back winners from the same project. Yes, and we talk about that during the interview uh, when I talked to Angel about him receiving the Raul Julia Award, which he looked up to as uh, uh, as someone in the industry, a legend in the industry, and of course uh, mentions uh, Cholo Maradona as well. Um, and uh, yeah, man, really, really cool guy, man. I'm so glad I got to talk to him. He gave me a decent amount of time for Q&A. Um, same with Eugenia Derbez and Camila and Ramon were phenomenal talk to the performers there was even um house of representatives right if you call this yeah name? they were yes there was one in particular 
who was from New Mexico. I'm trying to remember the name of that representative, but she was amazing. And she talked about the industry of um, New Mexico. Oh yeah, Teresa Leger, I'm at Leger or Leger Fernandez. She has been the representative since 2021. Nice. And there's also a representative Castro too. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes, Representative Castro was there. Yes, yes. How how could we forget Castro? Yes. Yes, and that's who uh, I got a chance to chat with as well. But um, we'll hear Angel and Eugenio and the performers tonight, next week, um, on next week's BTB, Camila Maron, Ramon Rodriguez, and, of course, um, Representative Castro. So we're providing it up not to give the fans too, too, too much. You know, I want to kind of, like, stretch it out for a couple shows because they were just – incredible huge names in the in the industry so why give it to the fans all at once we're gonna exactly. spread the love a little bit <laughs> so uh but got dean we have a tremendous show from top to bottom but let, let's talk about some of the highlights of of um more highlights of the noche music um in addition to hearing the great speeches and the actors mm-hmm. and and artists we've mentioned receiving awards um the food we were treated to an amazing halibut entree, mm-hmm. um, starting out with a um, a very bougie type of salad that Dean, you weren't too much a fan of. <laughs> but you know, uh, um, many people know I'm not a big fan of salad, so I have to pass <laughs> on a salad. Yeah, and then uh, topping it off with a uh, I guess a duo of uh, tasty desserts, postres, if you will, in español. Um, the wine was flowing, you know, the opening cocktail reception on the red carpet was fantastic. Um, you know, and I could tell that the, that the artists that were in attendance really, really can't wait for, um, well, now we have only one more strike left uh, going on, but uh, at the time the, the WGA and the SAG-AFTRA strike was going on, but, um, well, the good news was with um, Camila, we were able, um, during my interview, we were able to talk about one of her upcoming projects, Gonzo Girl. So we at yes. least got a little bit of taste. That's true. Of what can we talk about? Because you're right. I mean, the strike's been going on for months now. And mm. for us fellow reporters, it's been pulling teeth. It's like we want it's, to it's, talk about it, but we can't talk about it so we're left to producers and directors and Mm -hmm. anyone else but actors and directors but nonetheless as we learned in the past few months we can still talk we can still talk about other things we just couldn't talk about some main things but to, to hear them about why they earned the awards um the spotlight award the horizon award and the royal julia award and especially coming year after year, just hearing those great stories and how fellow Latino artists inspired them throughout the years, throughout their career. Right. It is amazing. And especially, you know, it's only just a few more days to the end of Hispanic Heritage Month. But, you know, these artists carry the pride all year round, every day. Yes. Three, you know? That's right. It is National Hispanic uh, Heritage Month. And another another thing we should mention about Gonza Girl, that was a part of the SAG interim agreement. So there are certain projects that if you file the proper paperwork and, and usually it's independently produced, 
you can promote and talk about a project. And that's how a lot of productions have been, um, you know, been able to to still shoot during this time. So, but let's talk about a little bit. We'll segue into the, the writer's strike, Dean. Um, again, Noche Musical, amazing event. Um, can't wait to, uh, I'm really looking forward to next year. That was just that, so good of an event. And I, yeah, and I have to mention. On your calendar this time, every yes. September, every Hispanic Heritage Month, Noche Musical. Noche Musical. Hispanic Heritage Awards will be there. So, Think of all the Spanish things, Spanish artists, Spanish programs, September. Don't ever forget it. <laughs> it's amazing because you, when you told me it was, it was, it was the like days, like a couple of days after you informed me, I could not believe it's already been a year. Yeah. I, it feels like that previous Noche de Gala at the time was only a few months ago, but wow, it's already been one year. Right. Wow. Yeah. Time flies by when you're having fun, doesn't it, Dean? Uh, yeah, or especially when you have two strikes to deal with. <laughs> yes. So let's talk about the Writers Guild of America strike. Uh, that is now completely over. It's officially over. The It w- went for 148 days. Mm-hmm. And apparently now they have a tentative agreement on a new contract with the AMPTP. So that means writers can go back to work. Um even before the final ratification vote. So what probably will start initially are those talk shows, because as you know, we're still in the writer's strike. Yeah. Talk shows can still happen. They can interview directors and, and they can um, interview music artists, things like that. Um, but of course, since we're still in the SAG after strike, as far as writing scripted dramas and comedies and all, and on that sort, we still have to wait a little bit more on. Um, but um, so with this new um, contract with WGA, um, a lot of it has to do with AI, um, because as you know, with ChatGPT, you know AI can generate scripts. It's just amazing what that technology can do. But a big part about the WGA strike was protection for AI, and basically now AI cannot write or rewrite material um and apparently the any ai generated material will not be considered source material and it cannot be used to undermine a writer's credit or separated rights um and the company must disclose to the writer if any materials given to the writer has been generated by ai so um but the writer can choose ai when performing writing services if they wish um, but they can't require the writer to use AI software. So it's it's just a little more more in the hands of the writers uh, on the decision making on that because it, again AI is just it's it's crazy how advanced it's become in the past year, Dean. Uh, the fact that I mean ChatGPT just kind of blows me away what they can come up with and that definitely protects them. So. Uh, yeah, so that that's the thing. I mean, now uh, Bill Maher, um, real time with Bill Maher, will return on Friday. So that's a little really quick turnaround. Yep, and uh, um, most of the talk shows like Jimmy Kimmel Live and Colbert, yep. they are resuming come Monday. So we're gonna have some all new shows finally. <laughs> For those who are fan of the late night shows, we're going to get some late night shows back in the game. That's that's exciting. Um, and uh, 
Well, one thing is that when can scripted shows start now? Obviously, that's because the SAG after strike has to um, come to an end as well. Mm-hmm. So I know that some writers are already making uh, preparations now. Like I know Stranger Things season five was in the works and and uh, Cobra Kai season six was in the works. Like both of those um, shows, which are two of my favorites right there, stopped right before the uh, the, the I guess, pre-production with the, with the writer's room. So those can now resume. Um, but obviously the shows that were in the middle of production, they can't start, start until their actors are, uh, are back, you know? So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the SAG after strike is still, um, on its 75 day mark. Dean. So we need, uh, we need to get those issues resolved, um, with the actors. Of course, uh, AI is one of the big things. The other big thing is obviously because of the AI taking an actor's image and using it without their permission or without compensation. And the second biggest thing is streaming residuals. As you know, streaming Mm -hmm. networks uh, provide. I was talking to a friend of mine um, yesterday that Mm -hmm. um, the writers have been striking every time because of new technology. Yes. Let's think about it. It was years ago. It was the last time they struck. It was because of the advent of Blu-rays, DVDs, the beginning of streaming media. Last time it was the internet. Right. In fact, yeah. In fact, I think there were no less than I would say five strikes from the writers. And I wish that Hollywood had learned its lesson. It's like technology is changing more rapidly. Absolutely. And God knows, maybe in two or three years, maybe a year, I would say even a year, that there's going to be something new that's going to come out, some new technology that's going to change the game again. And look how streaming media took us from a 24 season episode series to 10 or 13. Yeah. And it's like, we're, we're not going back. Unless you're broadcast. Broadcast, I think you're still going to have it. But as far as streaming, that's the way to go. Who knows? We're probably going to have a five-episode si- five series in the next yep. five years or so. Yep, Which that's where it's going. At all, because it's like five episodes in a season. Hmm. I know, and that's some of our favorite genre type of shows, too, like Star Wars and Star Trek and all that. They. They're the shows that can only get away with a limited episode, you know, number, you know, compared yeah. to like the the sitcom, the multi-camera sitcom that can be in a, a sound stage. So, but uh, let's hope. I mean, we don't know when the SAG after strike will end, but let's just uh, keep our fingers crossed that uh, it will be over sooner than later. Well, um, to um, Deadline.com, they said. They're going to move forward. They said the WGA membership and um, moving forward with the scribes, and they could be sitting down with the AMPTP within days as far as the screen after scale. So, right. okay. who knows? Okay. It could be a few days from now that the actors, screen after, may resolve their issues with the studios, or in this case. But at the end of the day, studios, listen up, pay the people. Don't use AI. Hey, your actors and writers. Yes. You need your freaking actors. Come on. Because it's like technology can take over a lot of things. But 
and I, and I actually choked around Bud's friend, but it's like, there's a lot of truth in this. There is no way, no effing way that Jack GPT can write a black sitcom. It can never do that. It will sound really. Stupid. You don't think you don't think it they can? Was... No, okay. no. <laughs> they they would not have the bena- the vernacular. The vernacular. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And it's like you know, and a good sample of it, especially when there's um this show, Dark Side of Comedy, talk and bringing back um the cast of Family Matters, and they said I knew, and Eddie Winslow, Daddy uh, Darius McQuarrie said, I knew this is written as a white family show. Yes. But with the black family and nine years, two different networks, it was one of the best black family sitcoms out there. But I don't, I doubt okay. that vernacular are issues so well. That being with- said, other nationalities, white, oh other, is, will be okay. okay. Let's, yeah, let's not start. Let's, it's, black is a start. But, you know, Asian-Americans, Hispanics, it's like there are different vernaculars that AI cannot replace with perfect detail. Because you need that human soul. You need that human spirit. And AI cannot – we can never say, see, I see myself within an AI-scripted TV show or movie. (laughs) No, you can't. And especially going back to on hell, one thing we learned about on hell, the both of us, is that he never went to film school. Never. Didn't have that formal training. And yet, look at Charm City Kings. I know. Look at Blue Beetle. The work speaks for himself because he has that eye of what his audience can connect to. AI cannot do that. Yep. No wow, that's that's uh, very very okay, very I'm true. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the Dean Rogers black sitcom though. <laughs> I don't Whatever know that. if I can do a black sitcom. I'm more of science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get, you right, get well, science fiction with me than a sitcom. <laughs> well, let's start with movies since you mentioned Angel Manuel Soto. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's uh, the number one and number two movie were neck and neck. Um, but it ended up that The Nun Part 2 in its third weekend was a number one movie with 8.4 million. Mm-hmm. The number two movie was very close with 8.3 million, and that is Expendables 4. Oh. But, our, but people are calling this one of the worst weekends for theatrical ticket sales so far. And I'm guessing with expendables being the sole like i guess blockbuster to drop this weekend that's probably why if you can call it a blockbuster i mean yeah if you, can call, it a, if you can call it that yeah million dollars i mean when yeah. you're blockbuster you're expecting a quarter of a million dollars at least yeah exactly you gotta, budget wise you know I don't, I don't think it made a budget yet and I'm being honest, I, I I haven't gotten into the Expendables movie. That's not a franchise that I, I've clamored to see. How about you, Dean? Have Honestly, you after the second one, it's like, okay, guys, you're getting old. We don't need to. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll go back to that heyday films. Bruce Lewis in Die Hard. Sylvester Stallone in Rocky. Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> in Terminator. On, my gosh. Okay. 
I'm I like these stars. They're good. They are good. They're legends. But at the end of the day, was enough. I mean, how many times, how many years can we see the same action star do the same role decade after decade after decade? I mean, Tom Cruise is probably one of the last few ones who can still pack it in. And, and he's yeah. in his, his yeah. 60s now. It's like, he's 61, yeah. right? Yeah, he's 60. So it's like, Tom, do not do Mission Impossible 15,745 in your 80s. Please don't. <laughs> Well, they did have some new young blood in this film. Um, the beautiful Megan Fox was one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, rapper Fitty Cent, um, Eco Uyas, Jacob uh, Scipio, and Levi Tran are among the newcomers. So they did have some young blood, but at the same time, yes, we're talking about very, very, le- let's just say legendary actions <laughs> without saying the word old, but yes, <laughs> alone. Dolph Rundgren and even Jathan Statham is no no longer a spring chicken, that's for sure. No, uh, I think he's what fifties or fifties yeah, or something. I think he's in his late fifties. And rounding out the rest of the box office, um, Disney's A Haunting in Venice is the third place movie, six three mm-hmm. million over the weekend, uh, cumulatively twenty five million. Uh, and fourth is. Denzel Washington's Equalizer 3, which earned $4.7 million. And a last but not least is Barbie. Can you believe it? An additional $3 million, but it already had um, $1.4 billion globally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's still climbing through the ranks of becoming one of the top grossing films in the world. Who would have known? Barbie. I know. I mean, a top grossing film in the world. And the brand is, wow, 60, I think 65 years now, 65 years, give or take. That's when the the Barbie first debuted was 65 years ago? No, 59. So next year it'll be 65 years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Next year, next year will be 65 years. So 1959. So that's the top five, but what's coming up uh, this weekend uh, that could be the box office uh, front runners include Pop Troll, uh, the Mighty Movie, uh, as well as Saw X. That's the upcoming Saw sequel. Wait a minute, there's a tenth film. There's a tenth film. Can you believe oh. it? I guess but, it's trying to be Friday the Thirteenth and Freddy movies. Long time record. That's another one, yeah. And the one I'm looking forward to the most is The Creator. That sci-fi film. Did you see that trailer? Oh my god! I saw the trailer, um, but one of my writers, Harry, he saw um, the film recently. Oh, good for him to get a sneak peek. Mm-hmm. They had one of the most clever marketing uh, gimmicks. Did you were you aware of about the AI robots mm-hmm. at the last uh, Los Angeles Chargers game? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was so so cool. Uh, but those films should be the top of the box. In fact, Paw Patrol was already greenlit for a third film already, which is crazy. Um, so, uh, I mean, you know, there's always going to be little kids that want to see movies. So, uh, But what do we have coming up in movie world? Well, we have the Smile sequel for that horror film. That was, uh, was a big hit. Um, and we also have 
Mean Girls the Musical. Apparently that was going to be a direct Paramount Plus, but now they decided that they wanted to drop it into theaters first before Paramount Plus. Um, and that seems to be like the um, the new trend is to put a popular Broadway show, um, the actual production, on um, as a film format. They're they're doing it with Waitress. They did it previously with Hamilton. And, uh, you know, a lot of people can't make the New York trip or can't afford Broadway tickets. So this is a kind of a good alternative for people to see their favorite Broadway shows, I think. So I think it's a good thing that they did that. I mean, I that was the only way I've, I've seen Hamilton was was on, was on Disney Plus when they dropped Hamilton. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I've seen Hamilton uh, twice at um, I've Candy Center while they were on tour. Oh, and speaking of which, I, I'm going to promote this. I don't care what you say. But for those who are going to be in the area on um, this Saturday, you won't believe who is going to be performing from okay. Hamilton this weekend. Renee Elise Goldsberry will be in town this weekend. Oh, nice. Yes, she is going to be in town this I'm Saturday. Not I'm not familiar with her work. What can you tell me about her? Um, All My Children. Uh, yeah, I think it was All My Children she was in. And, um, she was in Seinfeld. She was in Altered Carbon back in the day. And she oh, was yes. in Hamilton. She was Altered in the Carbon. original cast the original one. of Hamilton. Uh-huh. Oh, she played Angelica Shiler. She originated the role in September 2016. Very nice. Yeah, but let me make sure I got the um, um, soap opera right because I usually follow people's career, but, you know, with so many actors and actors over. But, yeah, she was in – she was Quell Chris Falconer in Altered Carbon. She was in The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. And she played the role of Henrietta Lacks. She was yes. in Star Enterprise. Now I know. Yes. And yes, it was geez. one life. To, and it was one life to live. She was in one life to live. Henrietta Lacks. That's right. Yes, she has quite the resume. My goodness. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Well, yeah. very cool for those in the uh, DMV area. Yeah, catch Hamilton with uh, with her in it. That's that's amazing. Um, but um, n- another big. Oh, Disney movie. I'm sorry. She's gonna be in Fairfax, Virginia. She'll be forming. Oh, um, sure. at the University in Fairfax. That's what she's going to be in this Saturday. Oh, very cool. So if you're a fan of Hamilton, we'll see her. Oh, very nice. Okay. Now, uh, speak, speaking of Disney, because as you know, Hamilton is on Disney. At least that production is. Um, there was a brand new trailer for a new movie called Wish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's based on an original idea. Uh, co-written by Frozen filmmaker Jennifer Lee. And follows um, Asha, played by Ariana DeBose, uh, and um, Disney legend Chris Buck and Fawn Vera Sunthorn. And it's about a 17-year-old girl who lives in a land where wishes come true. And she discovers that Lord Magnifico, played by Chris Pine, leader of her kingdom who has the power of wishes... Might have more malevolent intent. Um, but, uh, you know, Disney always knocks it out of the park uh, with their animated mm-hmm. films. I mean, for the most part. I mean, I, I know that uh, Elementals was was a little bit of a, of, um, a box office bomb. But, 
nonetheless um we'll see how this wish film does and uh i think we have um well the one thing uh, we gotta add about um wishes coming up which i'm happy to hear about disney fault for disney who people follow disney and if you're a fan of firefly alan tudyk is going to be in this film oh wow okay And, and and it's like i think Alan Tudyk is the current generation's John Ratzenberger. Since John Ratzenberger <laughs> is in the Pixar films, now we got to follow the degrees of Alan Tudyk in Disney films. That's right. He's well, playing. Have you watched the Alien show yet? Well, before you speak, Paul, we should probably introduce you. Uh, okay. That's right. Joining the panel. Uh, I was waiting for the moment to introduce him. He is a Sith Lord, and he's six foot eight, and you can't teach that. He is Darth Paul Wallace. I am a Sith Lord. <laughs> Darth Paul, uh, I guess you're joining us at the right time because I know you had um, a thought on Disney right now. We're talking about the Disney. Oh, wish uh, movie. I think Disney's in dire, 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 dire straits. Okay, you think they're in dire straits. Now, I know they didn't, I mean, they didn't have the best success with Elementals, and The Little Mermaid, I guess, was a complete flop, but it didn't do as well as they'd hoped. But what, what do you what do you know about Disney? Um, well, I think their next movie is going to – I think the Marvels is going to flop. I mean, and I heard rumors that they could break even on that uh, – I don't know if anybody's heard about the Snow White movie debacle. They need to make $700 million just to break even on that Snow White movie, which I can't see that happening. Plus, next year, mm-hmm. they have to buy out the rest of Hulu from Comcast. They don't have the money to do that. I mean, because when they bought Fox, they're responsible for Fox as part of Hulu, too. So they right. have to buy two-thirds of Hulu, and they don't have the money. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Well, going back to your Snow White comment, yeah, that was kind of met with some negative press lately. Um, you know, that supposed onset photo leak where they had Snow White and now instead of dwarves, they're <laughs> people of the all random different people. sizes. Random people. They're called magical creatures. I, I, I don't know if that I was. Heard, the I heard they changed it. It's not even magical creatures now. I heard they're just like um. Oh, what a revolutionary or something like I, that. Something I got weird it. Like Dean, that. Will, Dean will get a kick out of this one. The seven civilians. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't know what's worse. We named our team the commanders or calling dwarves civilians. Well, do you know what the funny thing is? Do you know what the history of the commanders is, right? Does anybody even nobody really looked up the history of the commanders? Other than they, I wish they named it the captains or the generals. No, no. What, what, what happened? What, no, what happened? Is, no, what happened was the Redskins, which were named by Jim Thorpe and a bunch of Native Americans who were actually Native Americans, they named themselves the Redskins, so that name should have never been changed. Yeah, I, I I read about that. I mean, like, I mean, I sell sports stuff. Nobody wants any commander stuff. They want nothing to do with the commanders. They only want Redskins because they say their team's the Redskins, not the commanders. And and some Native American groups actually prefer Redskins. Well, um, yeah, that and also the symbol was designed by a Native American. They prefer, like there's a petition of what seventy thousand people who signed it to put bring it back to the Redskins, and yeah. including Matt Johnson, he wants to rename them the Redskins. But it's like. White progressive people are the ones who are complaining about it, not Native Americans. Yeah, I don't know. It's a crazy, crazy, uh, 
crazy world we're living in. I mean, a lot of the Native American teams are slowly going away, you know? Yeah, well, at least you guys, uh, you guys are commanders. At least you're not the guardians. That sounds even worse. Yeah, there's oh, the yeah. Makes sense. Right. When, when do you think the Braves will be renamed? Or you think the Braves? I don't think safe? they will, because I mean, I, I think they're. I mean, I mean, because they like that chop thing they do too, which is really yeah. racist. Right. Oh yeah, we are also can forget about the Seminoles too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple teams still left, but. Uh, Anyways, let's uh, pivot back into movies. I kind of almost wrapped the movie talk, but uh, um, okay. But did you guys see the Expendables? Yeah, we we, we, we just talked about the box office, and you actually have a review for us, Paul, don't you? Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, there was a surprise death in the beginning of the movie. Um, I would say watch the whole thing. And for some reason, Megan Fox is in there. I don't consider her like an acting star, but I guess she's she was in Transformers. She's I guess. a hottie. I mean, you got you got to bring on she the hot is. girl. When you're when you're bringing all the all this testosterone and all these action heroes, yeah. But then again, if you're gonna death. bring in like a hot girl who could do stuff, bring Ronda Rousey back. It's like Ronda Rousey <laughs> can at least fight. <laughs> I mean, you have Randy Couture. Just bring oh, just go to the UFC. Find like the next figure. Oh, what about what's her name? Um, Gina Carano. Gina Carano can do okay. martial arts. She would be great. This is true. But have you seen Megan Fox in Transformers? She does kick some ass in it. Yeah, but it's she's far from the damsel in distress and transport. Yeah, but nonetheless, um, how what would the the Darth Paul scale from one to ten for Expendables four? I would say like if you're looking for an intellectual movie, it's not an intellectual movie. I would say if you want a good heart uh, like action type of movie, it's a good action romp. Um, I would say it's probably an eight as an action movie. I mean, nice storyline. It's probably about maybe a seven. I mean, okay. I mean, it could have could have had a little bit more depth to the storyline, but it wasn't bad. It was pretty good. Yeah, um, that is a good review, Paul. I mean, um, Dean and I were talking about it earlier. Dean didn't get past two, part two. I haven't watched any of them, so this is a. Oh, well, well, you're missing out. Some of them are pretty good. Am I missing out? Am I really missing out? <laughs> I mean, if you like action guess... movies, they're actually not bad. Okay, okay, that's completely completely fair. So speaking of action, I mean, movies, it's, it's it's just an action movie. It's not something that has political message. It's not something that's supposed to just yeah. be entertaining, and that's it. There you go. There you go. Did you guys talk we about were, the, the the Mad Money movie yet too? Because I was going to see that because I just want to see Seth Rogen lose money and be upset. Because I really don't like Seth Rogen. Yeah, that that dumb money movie. Uh, um, apparently is predicted to earn um five million over the weekend. Um. They had a limited theater release last weekend, but it's supposed to go into more theaters this weekend. So. I mean, is it going to lose money? I, I just want to I mean, see it lose money. I mean, you know, Pete Davidson's kind of kind of hot right now. You know, he's in it. No, uh, I mean, I want to see Seth Rogen lose money. I mean, granted, in the movie he loses money. I want to see him really lose money. <laughs> I want to see him be, be bankrupt. I mean, I just don't like Seth Rogen. If you didn't know, Dean, Paul has a, a vendetta against uh, Seth Rogen for some Oh, he's just a dick. I mean, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I mean, he's treating people like crap on sets. I mean, he's, I mean, his own like best friend he threw under the bus when he was doing the same crap. So he's just a piece of shit. Wow. Are you alluding to James Franco? He was yeah. The friend that he didn't support. Yeah. That's a tough situation, but, uh, but nonetheless, um, a couple more movie things. Um, now we mentioned Angel Manuel Soto, the director of Blue Beetle, which, as you know, I'm going to play my exclusive interview shortly. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Wait, wait a second. But- I see. Is he related to you now? I know. I I mentioned that we have the same namesake. However, I have two T's. He has one T. Okay. I 
I posted on social media, Soto and Soto. And so no, somebody, no, I, I think you, you didn't see Blue Beetle at the time I talked to you last time we oh, whenever. Did. did you like it? I loved I loved Blue Beetle. In fact, Blue Beetle I thought it was pretty good. I mean it was like a as I said, it wasn't pushing anything. It was a and I was pushing like family values and stuff like that. And yeah, I think it was a good movie. It's a fantastic film. It's just a shame that that it doesn't make still, money. well, it's under the banner of the DCEU at the time, but mm. now the Cholomano joining a version of Blue Beetle will be brought into the new DCU. And at Angel Manuel Soto actually confirmed this during oh, the that's cool. So this is where that I they had to bring George in. Lopez back. That that's a that's a deal. Oh, he's he's a must. He's a must. But uh, if you want to see Blue Beetle, it's going to be available on October 31st um, for uh, DVD and Blu-ray. And um, actually, it's actually going to be available even sooner than that um, digitally to rent uh, through Amazon Prime Video or Apple TV. Okay. So, uh, and did then, you talk about the loss in this area, too, of uh, the Baltimore legend? Well, we do, we, we do we do that at the end. You know that, dude. Okay, I just thought maybe just because yeah. it was a oh, no, local yeah, guy. Yeah. Our RIPs That's are. That's why I'm wearing my oral stuff. I, yeah, I don't. I don't. You see the sad and sappy towards the end. Okay. Okay. If I could just continue with movies, thank you. Um, Gran Turismo also now available uh, for digital purpose on Amazon Prime Video as well. Have uh, you seen I, that, that yet? Now? I haven't seen that movie. You told me. It's I, I thought. I mean. Good. I, I think if it was called anything but Gran Turismo, it would have done better. I mean, I think Gran Turismo should have been more of a fiction movie. This is more like based on, I mean, the racing stuff was good. It's mm. just a, like some stuff was like fictionalized for the racing story. And the Gran Turismo name was thrown on it, even though it was loosely part of a contest back in the day. But that's, I just, I think they should have take, taken that name and just used a different name for it. It would have got a better traction. Yeah, but well, I mean, it wasn't bad. I mean, it had good special effects. The racing was good. I mean, some of the terms they were using were good. Um, their the car designs were great. I mean, the CGI special effects were good. So, I, I, yeah, some of the characters weren't real, but okay, like Hopper's character does not exist in real life. But it's amazing. So I'm mentioning these two films that they're already um available um on uh digital platform it just seems like there's a quick turnaround now from movie theaters um, to digital uh you know or on demand um well, it's always, I, I, yeah it's crazy because remember how long it back in the day when you watch a movie in the theaters yeah. it took like months and months and months even years after before you can get a vhs and watch it at home you know? yeah well i i think the reason they're doing that i think some of the streaming services are hurting for content yeah. and the other reason is it's like I think some of the streaming services are hurting in general. I mean, I think it's worse than we think. I think that's why our strike's going to go for a long time because um, like, we just. Did, I don't. I, I don't think. I, I don't think the the streaming service can justify releasing the information on how many views they get on some, certain shows because if they do, their stock's going to drop. Disney stock's below eighty bucks right now. That's the all time low. I mean, I think last two weeks ago was around eighty. And that was the all-time low. So now it's like, wow. It was 79. It was actually between 78 and 79 all day today. So it's been dropping like a rock. And if they release, hey, like they say, like She-Hulk was a hit. If you see like maybe like 500 people watch She-Hulk, that's a lie to everybody. And people are going to be like, hey, we're being misled. So the stock's just going to drop. Those companies could go bankrupt. 
based on the fact that they released mm-hmm. their exact report on how many views certain shows get. You know what I mean? Because uh, they say they put I a lot mean, of money in. But, but more or less, have... like, look, Amazon's a, probably a better example because Amazon's spent so much money on Rings of Power. They spend like, what, $500 million per season. It's like, it, it would not make money. I mean, so, like, but now they have advertisers, too, so you can't really charge a lot to advertisers even though you need to because you have to prove it's a hit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I and mean, it definitely yeah, wasn't a hit. Well, we we do hope that the the actor strike ends sooner than later. I know you mentioned that we're far away uh, off, but uh, I mean, I, I honestly uh, think it's already planned to go past January because California okay. just approved legislature to give people unemployment after January for back for striking. So I assume that the, the it's already like they're they're just that far off i think i mean maybe I mean, i'm wrong i hope i am. think writers and actors go hand in hand so even if the writers resolve their their strike they can only do like talk shows and things like that they, they can't have the actors on set you know mm-hmm. but anyways um let's wrap up movies before going to tv um there's believe it or not only one major film in production right now um well that's probably not true but one piece of news that i have in production that's johnny depp is directing a film but it's filmed in Italy, and as you know, you have you can't you have to go overseas now to yeah. sometimes you know work around the 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 strike, right? So yeah, I think that see that's something like he's into, isn't? Wasn't he always into the niche uh, independent films until he became yeah, big from Pirates so, of the Caribbean? He never really wanted to do the big stuff. Well, I mean, he got paid, and that's why he did. Well, but, I mean, yeah. So and that's probably why he's directing this. Um, um, and it's called Modi. It's about an Italian artist, Amadeo Modigliani, and it started shooting in Budapest. And um, and um, Luisa Ranieri is starring in Modi alongside fellow Italian Riccardo Scaramaccio, who, pay, who plays the painter and sculptor who worked mainly okay. in France and became famous for the groundbreaking modern did, style. Did you say it's filming in Italy, or did you, you said Budapest? Budapest, Budapest. Is it's an Italian film shooting in Budapest. Yeah, it can get a little confusing. Okay, because Budapest is uh, hungry. I was like, yeah, that's not... That's so not this Italy. is Johnny Depp's second film that he's directing, 25 years after The Brave. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize it was so... It was in that many years. I, I didn't uh, realize he directed The Brave, to be honest with you. Yeah. And he starred along um, Marlon Brando in that one. Yeah, and of course, and as, as you can know, direct Mar- Marlon Brando, I mean, because I heard he was a mess to deal with. I heard he like, did you ever hear a story about uh, what was it, Doctor Moreau? How bad that movie was? Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, that's like a legendary bad filming set because they say he was like a monster on set, and then you also had uh, what's his name acting up too? Um, the guy from Top Gun, uh, his name, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Yeah. So they yeah. say like. Well, hey, it's 25 years uh, later. He's he's going to be directing this Modi film, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Star Wars after the half um, because Dean doesn't want to talk about it because he's not caught up yet. So we're going to move on to Netflix. <laughs> Can't okay. wait to talk Ahsoka with you, uh, Big Paul. But uh, over on Netflix, well, um, Natalie Portman has a new film that was a part of the Toronto Film Festival. And it was a part of the Venice Film Festival. It's called May December, and um, they just dropped a Netflix-specific trailer for the film. 
Mm-hmm. Question, isn't that, isn't that like the older woman or the younger uh, man? That's right. Yep. That's but right. I mean, technically, technically, wasn't that the case of the first Star Wars movie when she was like hitting on her, like the kid she was babysitting? Oh, I mean, like, if you think about it, I mean, she was babysitting Anakin and she kind of like wound up dating Anakin. So that kind of works. Yeah, I guess that I, I guess it's a very similar uh, scenario. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about episode one, now in Star Wars episode. Now you bring bring it up. But uh, uh, yeah, it is about the 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 May December relationship, which is, yes, when you have a, a, a big okay. age disparage. And um so uh, Natalie Portman plays an actress named Elizabeth Berry as she visits Julianne Moore, an, um, a woman who in her mid-30s was caught having sex in a pet store stockroom with Joe, her co-worker, played by Charles Melton, when he was only 13 years old. Oh, wow. that's not good. Yeah. So uh, the trailer is out now if you want to check that out. And you can guess where the story is loosely based on, just knowing what you just read. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thinking of naughtiness. It's already written. The top show on Netflix right now is Sex Education, the fourth and final season. Apparently that mm-hmm. just uh, uh, toppled One Piece's reign uh, at Netflix top. Uh one Piece was the most watched for quite a while, and Sex Education just topped that. And uh, right after that is Murdoch Murders, a true crime docuseries. And uh, rounding up that uh, top five there is Virgin River. Virgin River, wow. Hmm. I am no, so wait, wait, wait a second. The top shows are Sex Education, Sex Education. and Virgin River. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But that's a, that's definitely a um, as Alanis Morissette isn't it ironic, yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting because Jamie uh, Lee Curtis actually took to Instagram to to kind of campaign for a role in One Piece. I think it started with like a fan, like you know how they wanted the fans wanted us uh, Rosario Dawson to play Ahsoka. Uh, she did yeah. the same because apparently fans wanted her to be cast as Dr. Kariha. I'm not familiar with One Piece. I'm not familiar with the well, characters. Well, technically, just think about the name. Wouldn't that be, like, racist? Because her name is Dr. Kariha, so she should be Asian. I don't know if Dr. Kariha is an Asian character, though. Do you know? But that sounds like an Asian name to me, but I, maybe I'm wrong. It's, it's spelled K-U-R-E-H-A. That sounds Asian to me, but, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I'm not familiar with the character. Well, according to One Piece Wicca, Wicca, <laughs> Wiki, yeah, Wiki. she's an elderly doctor who works on Drum Island. Some refer to her as a witch by some people. So, from what I'm reading in the One Piece Wicca, the fandom, I'm trying to see if there's a race in the Not really. Uh, I mean, okay. it says, it goes on to say she's Tony Tony Chopper's mentor and adopted mother taking him under her care after the death of Kiri Luck and she's also the head of the Ishi-100. Okay. So she's a slender woman who's exceptionally advanced age with her well wrinkled face. Dress and style more suited. Yeah, this is definitely Jamie Lee Curtis. Sorry. I'm reading through the description. <laughs> the well wrinkled face. The wrinkled that is face, Jamie Lee. She can pull this off. 
She's she's I have to agree with her age. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we can we can um we can uh, um, we can allow that to happen for sure. And so plus, this, give it give it take her chame- her chameleon like role in everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. And she got the Oscar for that. Damn. Yes, exactly. Now Netflix has a really cool trailer for this show called Obliterated. Uh, I just watched it today. It's from the Cobra Kai creators, Josh Hurwitz, Hayden Schlossberg, and Josh Heald. And it's a, a high-octane Vegas vac- Vegas adventure. And it's an elite special forces that thwarts a deadly threat in Las Vegas. And apparently they actually are all high and drunk. And they all have to find and deactivate a real bomb while high and drunk. So they're all drunk and trying to deactivate drunk a bomb. So this is pretty much um, the hangover with testosterone and steroids. <laughs> no, actually, you know what it sounds? It sounds like um, a combination of an Army of the Dead yeah. and a Hangar, because you had the Special exactly. Forces unit going into like Vegas, and yep. then you have Hangar where they're drunk and high. That's what Dean was alluding to. Yeah, Hangover is perfect. Yep. It stars Nick Zano, C. Thomas Howell. He's a legend right now. Kimmy mm-hmm. Rutledge, Paula Lazaro, you might know her uh, from The Walking Dead. Now, uh, now see Thomas Hell actually going to be drunk on set? Because, I mean, I thought he had some issues. Well, of course, he's going. he might be going method. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We got Terrence Terrell, Allison Gorski, and Eugene Kim. So, heck of a cast. I'm looking for, I love Cobra Kai. So, if it's anything like Cobra Kai, I will watch. Um, and now um, Netflix is releasing a whole bunch of anime. Uh, they have a Tomb Raider, The Legend of Lara Croft, the anime version. Getting an See, anime. I like the the last the live action movie wasn't bad. It was just had an. I love the. I, really like, I really like the last live action movie. I guess. I guess they're not going to continue with um. With her in that role, uh, remind me of the actress's name. Um, I forget her name though. She is very, very lovely. Um, yeah. But she did a fantastic job, I thought. Mm-hmm. You know? um, but if they're not going to continue with her, I don't know what they're going to do with the franchise. You know what I mean? That's a shame because, I mean, I, I, it seemed like it ended on a cliffhanger, like she was going to go ahead and do something. And ah, just... Alicia Vikander. That's her name. Okay. She was in Yeah. Actually, there is Phoebe Waller Bridge, though. Um, AKA no. Fleabag, yes. Uh, I don't want her. I do not want her as Tomb Raider. That would be awful. I don't. Please, no. I, don't I can't see Phoebe Waller as Tomb Raider. I don't think that's good casting. Yeah, I agree there. No. I like her. She's great in Fleabag. Well, they already tried to make her Indiana Jones, and that didn't work either. So it's like you can't well, to just give up on the Phoebe Waller Bridge action adventure uh, Tomb Raider type. She's she's not a Stephen Wallbridge is not a sex symbol. Let's be honest. So yeah. if you're talking about Angelina Jolie, Alicia Vikander, yeah. and of course it was if you look at the video game, it's it's a very buck. But technically, I mean, like even Expendables. I mean, I mean, Megan Fox was must have learned some martial arts because she looked okay in the fight scene. So yeah, maybe even Megan Fox. I mean, because she's slender like that, she has the big lips. I mean, I, I think love, she's I love Megan Fox. I think but, she, but I don't think Megan Fox would probably pull off the English accents. Oh, that's a good point. Oh yeah, you're right. You can't she, do that. Phoebe Waller Bridge does have the, the accent because she's authentically British. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. I didn't think about that. Well, what about um, Elizabeth Hurley? She's older, but she can still like. I mean, she's still in pretty uh, good shape. 
Well, yes. I mean, of course, but you know, we're we're talking we're talking Tomb Raider. I don't think they're gonna go. Yeah, I guess you're right. Sure. No, and Elizabeth Hurley's never done any action films. I think she's probably only done one in Iron Man. Yeah. No, I don't think she's the right casting either. Um, but there was a really cool trailer for the actual reality show for Squid Game. Did you know they're they actually have a reality show competition series based on? Yes, they just dropped. So did they really kill people in the show? Well, it's actually 456 <laughs> contestants from around the world battling it out through various challenges based on the Korean game show in the scripted series. And the prize is one four point five six million dollars. That's huge. Is it American money or is it according uh, to where their country is? That's a good that's a good point, but from what I'm reading, four point five six million cash prize, and I guess I mean, yeah. is that yen? Because if that's yen, that's not very much. If it's Japanese yen, yeah, probably not. But I have a feeling it is 4.56. I mean, heck, if they can pay one to two million for Survivor, they can double that, triple that for uh, Squid Game, don't you think? I mean, I imagine it's, it's been very, very cutthroat. In fact, I'm, I read here that a lot of the contestants required medical assistance during the shoot. So it was a very high stakes well, I mean, game. Just, well, is it filmed overseas? Probably. Oh, okay. okay so don't overseas. They don't have to pay any of those contestants anything. So it could be four point five million or four point six million dollars, because like they won't even cover those medical expenses. So. Well, yeah. case wondering, um, if they do the South Korean, uh, um, which called exchange rate, that's only three thousand three hundred sixty-six dollars forty-six cents in American money. So oh, yeah, five six million won is. Only about three and a half thousand dollars. Oh, thank you, Dean, for looking that up. I'm... <laughs> um, yeah. so what, is that, what is that roughly? That's what two months of rent in some places, give or take. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of um, reality shows, um, I'm not sure how I feel about this particular. This is on Hulu. It's uh, the it's called Living for the Dead. So it's from the company behind Queer Eye. And it's also produced by Kristen Stewart. And it's billed as the gay Scooby-Doo. Assembles a team that includes a tarot card. Wait, wait, wait a second. Don't they have the gay Scooby-Doo already called Velma? They did at one point. <laughs> I agree. They already have that. But it's it's a it's basically, well, this is reality. That, that was animation. But this is uh, a team that includes a tarot card reader, a psychic, and a witch who travel the country in a camper van. And of course, their fabulous outfits. So there you go. Um, that is uh, interesting. I'm pretty sure that's not going to do very well. But yeah, I think I'll do a hard pass on that one too. Now, how about this reality show? This I think will do very well. All right, so this is going to be on HBO Max. Sorry, Max, drop the HBO as mm-hmm. the main change. Now it originated in the UK. And it's called Naked Attraction. It's a game show that promise, promises to start where the good date often ends, naked. So as you know, sometimes it takes a while to get your date naked, especially if she doesn't want to put out right away. But in this series, you both start out naked. So you see them right away. And Damn. a chooser gets to critique and mm-hmm. and, and eliminate the dates that, that – he or she does not want to go on 
and uh, and eventually when two dates remain the chooser strips out of their clothes and gives the the remaining contestants the opportunity to critique them then they go out on a date now, now who, who starts off naked is it the guy or the girl so so well they they switch off so the genders could be switched could okay because be i mean i'm thinking like the girl is going to be looking looking at the guy and then like be like probably go with the one that has the biggest you know um the biggest dick and um <laughs> and and like what's a guy gonna go for the guy's gonna go for any girl i'll be honest with you on that one so if there's an naked oh, girl guy's gonna go for it. i, I didn't i don't know if we did. as long as she's hot right Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, uh, at least you, we'll find out grooming habits that way. No, no, no. Also, here's the other problem. What happens if it's like the girl's time of the month? I mean, that that could kind of oh. cause issues too. Oh, because oh. I mean, it's like, oh. how, how are they going to know? It's like if they start, it's like that's very Sith Lord of you to, <laughs> to bring up crimson red during that time. Oh my God, Darth Paul. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some guys might be into that, but. <laughs> I mean, this is crazy, and and, and and they will be blurring. I mean, there, there's there's well, a no, sense no, of that it's on HBO, so chances are it probably will show stuff. I mean, you if it's on public, do you think they're going to show it on Hulu? Hulu? Maybe not, but if it's on HBO, it's probably going to show stuff. It's going to be on Max, yeah. So I mean, like Naked and Afraid's on Discovery Channel, so they blur stuff on that. But I think they something like that, blur. like they they probably will show everything. I, I don't see why they would. Yeah. You might, you know what? You might be right because episodes of Max are uncensored. Interesting, and have a warning: the following series is intended for mature audiences. It contains full frontal nudity, coarse language, and graphic discussions about the human body. You're well, right. Also, Paul. do you know what? I, I thought of another drawback. What if it's a really cold day? Because I mean, <laughs> like I mean, us as guys, we know what happens on a really cold day. It's like that could really hurt people's chances. Well, we hope it's not cold in that studio we hope i mean i have a feeling it'll probably be like um that um series on abc which thankfully lasted less than a season are you hot i have a feeling that it's probably going to be less than a season with u.s audience and the critics will murder it that's oh is it going to be like that what was that show wasn't like there's some show like Data Cougar or something like that too. There's something or my Cougar Mom or something that, that like people had to date there. Yeah, they're, I, I forget mean, what they, it was called, but I mean I remember I, that. Any last like one or two episodes. Gentlemen, this is why we need the writers back because that. <laughs> otherwise, we're getting all this reality. Well, at, least not, at least it's not worse as um, Who's Your Daddy, which only lasted one episode on Fox. <laughs> yeah, the premise was. <laughs> I remember it. It was one woman, and there were ten or fifteen different fathers, and oh, on oh. that reality back in the early two thousands, trying to figure out who's her actual oh, But do you know it makes no sense though? With that logic though, why is Maury Perfect still on there? Because doesn't he do that on every single episode? Yes, he and, does and even he on every episode. Twenty plus years. That's right. That's right. That's absolutely right. All right. Also on HBO, uh, they just uh, set a premiere date and dropped the trailer for season four of True Detective. As you know, it's anthology style. This mm-hmm. one is subtitled Night Country, and it stars legendary Jodie Foster. Mm-hmm. And um, we haven't seen Jodie Foster in a prominent role on camera in a while. But it seems like it's been a while. You know what? Uh, I solved the mystery already. You already the solved the mystery. Is Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> That's a good one. 
that's a good you're, you're alluding to silence of the lambs of course yes mm-hmm. but uh yeah J- jody foster callie reese lisa lopez is the showrunner writer and director of all the episodes and it's uh a winter night in ennis alaska eight men who operate the arctic research station vanish without a trace and basically um jody foster's character of liz danvers and evangeline navarro played by Callie Reese will have to confront the darkness they carry in themselves mm-hmm. and, and solve. And you're about um, her not making a television role. This is her first role in television reports in 10 years. Oh, oh wow. really? Yeah. Um, her last role was Makers, Women Who Make America. It was a documentary film on, let's see, trying to figure out. Okay, it doesn't say. Oh, it was on WETA. So public television oh. and before that. She was the one of the few voices of Maggie Simpson on The Simpsons. Really? Years ago, yes. Okay. Wait a second, is Maggie the baby? Huh? Yep. Isn't Maggie the baby? Yes, she is. So all she did was like goo goo gaga. I guess, yeah. Okay, that's really weird. The goo goo gaga. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think uh, she was only one of two, two or three actresses. No, yeah, two actresses who voiced Maggie over the 30-plus years of Simpsons. Oh, wow. Okay, that just seems like an unnecessary job to me, but it's almost like Vin Diesel doing Groot. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, interesting. Uh, let's talk oh, about- I would love that job, though. I mean, I could voice Maggie. I mean, I could, I could, I could do that. I don't think the Sith voice, uh, the Sith voice of the Darth Paul could could work as Maggie, quite frankly. But um, let's throw out a couple more TV things before we have to say goodbye to Dean on the scene, Rogers. Um, on Paramount, there is a new original series called The Curse with Emma Stone and Nathan Fielder. So this drops on uh, November twelfth, and. Uh, well, it's a genre-bending series that sees a newly married couple um, hit the bumps in their relationship due to an alleged curse. They specifically feel the effects of the curse when trying to get pregnant and while co-starring in their own home improvement show. So it's like a show within a show. They That's have like a really home improvement weird. show. And, of course, they're dealing with first at the same time um, wait, wait a second wasn't it like a home improvement couple that got divorced is that what it's based off of i could have sworn there was like a husband and wife duo that did like some home improvement thing that got divorced yeah big deal. i think it was um chip and chip on games i think i'm not so sure yeah oh okay interesting i did not know of that uh very very similar description but this series will drop uh on paramount in november so um yeah i don't know um interesting uh that that is very similar from what you mentioned you know kind of crazy um let's see over on peacock we have a uh second uh season trailer for wolf life me which is a you know it's like a romantic dramedy um with is she a werewolf i never watched that show yeah, but i assume she was a werewolf it's Isla Fisher giving birth to a possible werewolf pup baby with her twisted romance to Josh Gad's character of Gary. Hmm. So. This um, sounds like a weird show. It is a little, a little creepy, a little weird. Um, but um, 
I mean, like one, do you know where Wolf Show would have been good? I think if they kept it on, I liked Wolf Lake. It didn't last very long, but it was kind of like a good mystery type of show. Yeah. I haven't seen the show yet, but they're already in their second season, so they must be doing something right. It wasn't canceled after one season. But yeah, especially with all that stuff in that Netflix dumped, didn't they dump a ton of stuff? Yeah. Well, also on Peacock. A lot of stuff they stumped. Um, Blind Spotting, um, Run the World, and one other series just recently. Yep. And of course, oh, Pitch Perfect Bumper in Berlin also canceled at Peacock. Um, which was previous. It's interesting because that was previously renewed for a second season, and they decided to cancel it. Um, I guess because of the writer's strike. Um. It, uh, I honestly think the writer's strike was used to like cancel stuff that they just yeah. they just wanted to get rid of. I mean, it's like it might might have had a fan base, but it's like they were like, eh, that's yeah, not making a lot of money. Pitch Perfect had a big uh, fan base, and this is um the bumper. Yeah, but I mean, the Pitch Perfect like like has a good fan base, but so did Animal House. And Animal House had a TV show that lasted what two episodes or three episodes or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So it's like so it's like yes, it, the movie has nothing to do with the TV show. So it's like it's not point. the same. Another one that um, I'm gonna set the see go is uh, Heels on Stars Network. Um, I was that, actually sorry uh, that one got canceled. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed that one's not gonna get a third season. Um, also, Run the World and as you mentioned, Dean Blind Spotting uh, will not get new seasons either. I actually got to interview um, Jasmine Cephas Jones um, for their I think second season. So I'm bummed. Well, cool. Nice. Um, over on Amazon. Um, honestly, I, I think everything is going to get canceled on Amazon eventually, but that's just uh, from what <laughs> I understand. Well, I hope not because I really love Invincible, and that's a, one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best animated shows out right now. And Robert Kirkman recently said that he believes seven to eight seasons of the series will be needed to tell the complete story. So a lot of people say, I mean, it, it might, it might have to get another network. I, I think in Amazon, from what I understand, with the antitrust lawsuit and how much money they lost on uh, Rings mm-hmm. of Power, and if they have to release those numbers, I mean, I have a hunch they're probably the first streaming service to go. I mean, I could be wrong, but I mean, uh, it's, I mean, I, I don't think they've made as much money as I think they're losing well, money on the streaming service. I think Jeff Bezos is doing okay, and uh, you know, well, we Jeff want- Bezos himself is, yes, but the stock, <laughs> the stock is what's holding Amazon up. I think, and I, uh, I figure. Based on the antitrust suit, that's going to cause it to drop. Yeah. I mean, that that's going to cause Amazon. Amazon's yeah. hasn't really made profit in years. It makes don't get me wrong, they sell a lot of stuff, but they haven't made profit. So all it takes is a little tipping point for that whole company. It's a house of cards company. So it's like if yeah. they lose that antitrust lawsuit and they have to report on the numbers of the actual like streams for like uh, rings of power. People realize they spent five hundred million dollars on a show that gets maybe like ten thousand viewers or something. There's going to be some major cuts in the works. I mean, we'll see what it's happens. Just, it's just simple math. I mean, it's like Disney's the same. Disney's the same way, but I think Disney, being in the entertainment business, can maybe weather the storm or transfer something over. That's a good point. Amazon doesn't have those other other things like theme mm-hmm. parks and and merchandise uh, as much. Yeah. To offset it, but um, let's start two more things before we uh, take a classic cut break. Uh, let's talk about Rick and Morty. Um, now, as you know, we have new voice actors portraying Rick and Morty as Justin Roiland, 
was fired from Adult Swim after he was charged with domestic violence. And Justin voiced both Rick and Morty. Apparently, there are two voice actors, one for Rick, one for Morty. They did not reveal who the voice actors are, but the trailer looks pretty awesome. And I got to admit, it's interesting. You, Paul, we had differences of opinion. I thought the Rick, the new voiceover actor for Rick was similar to the original Rick. Um, and the oh. Morty was different. You think the Morty is similar to the original Morty? I think Morty's like more spot on. Rick, if you notice, like when he was young, his, his tone wasn't quite right. And he doesn't have that gravel. The, the, remember how he was more gravelly in uh, Rick's voice? It's not there anymore. It's the gravelness is gone from his voice. It's gonna not be, that it's really gonna, hurts it. He it's sounds kind of like. Stri- Dean, were you yeah. a, a Rick and Morty fan, Dean? I don't know if you got so many episodes, um, but not really. I mean, it's no okay. part of I, I, I have, you know, I, as a lover of sci-fi, I thought you might might enjoy it, but um, I don't know. It, it is a different experience watching it with different voice actors. Just just based on the trailer. But let's see if we can get through an entire season of new voice actors, Paul. You know, well, this might even be the last season of it because I mean, as I said, I don't see it going. I don't see it being as successful, especially with Futurama coming back, taking the animated like base of the. Do you think Rick and Morty's done after the seventh season? I don't know, man. If it doesn't get the ratings, I, I think it's uh, it's uh, the the problem is their storylines are similar to Futurama, and Futurama actually, I think has more of a base. Actually, from what I'm reading, Rick and Morty has uh, up until season renewed. ten. Season okay. ten, they're renewed up through season ten. So okay. they so we we do have at least uh, three more seasons. Right. Now it's interesting because Dan Harmon, as you know, he created Community and uh, Rick and Morty. He said he hasn't. Well, wasn't he almost canceled too? Well, Dan, not so much, but he actually has not heard or he hasn't talked to Justin Roiland since 2019, which I find really hard to believe because considering the last season. So, of, so there, must have been, there, there must have been some season. There must have been some like um issues with him on set, too, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, it's probably just it's probably a personality clash, too, just like Chevy Chase said he hates community. Well, yeah, apparently. Yeah, we, we, we mm-hmm. I guess we could. Um, talk about that really briefly but yes the two co-creators justin royal and dan Harmon, apparently there are profiles there's a profile that documents the rift between the two of them so i mean he uh, was probably already on his way out like even if he wasn't like uh i mean the accusations were just a way to get get rid of him i think i mean because has he been officially charged with anything or has he been proven guilty or i mean because like so he he wasn't charged with the domestic dispute, but the problem was he had some um, sexual misconduct allegations mm-hmm. after that. I mean, and but you have the same thing going on with like somebody like a Russell Brand, and it's like they're convicting him before he's done anything. I mean, I know he had the personality where it's possible, yeah. very possible, he did something, but until the guy's convicted, I mean, you can't just cancel him until he's actually found guilty of it. I just don't think that's yeah. right. You know what yeah, I mean? It's I, like. And then, like, because I mean, you heard what had happened with Russell Brand. The, the UK government told people to ban him. It's not. It's not yeah. even like just because his political beliefs. And I don't think that's right. I mean, if it was, if he was definitely guilty, if he was caught on camera, hey, ban the guy. But even like that, like Ray Rice, Ray Rice is married to the woman. Like the, he was seen hitting on tape. It's like they had, they were both drunk and they got in a fight. Should he have been like lost his entire livelihood over that, or should he have just been punished for? maybe a year or something. Oh, man. You know what I mean? I mean, That's I don't crazy. think it's right. You should never hit a woman no matter what, 
but if they're both drunk, it's like uh, that's uh, I, I, it's, I, it's I, a gray I, area. I don't want to go. I don't want to go down that road. Yeah, same here. yeah. Um, but uh, you already did mention the community drama. Since we're on the top community, this is the last thing yep. we take class of cut. Uh, Chevy Chase appeared on Mark Maron's What the Fuck podcast, WTF podcast it is. Apparently, he said that the show was not funny enough for him. Wow. He said that the show, he felt a little constrained. Everybody had their bits. Yeah. He thought they were good, but it wasn't hard-hitting enough. He didn't mind the character. He just felt happier being alone. He didn't want to be surrounded by the table every day with those people. It was too much. Apparently, he was fired from the show after apparently using a racial slur on set. And uh, Donald Glover, um, who was at the cat, it was on set at the time, spoken out against Chevy Chase's problematic behavior on set. Well, he, he's always been a problem. I mean, and I've heard like. Did you, did you hear about like I heard like there was an interview with Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith said he wanted to relive the redo the Fletch series with uh, Chevy Chase. He had a meeting with Chevy Chase and he said Chevy Chase was just so pompous and full of himself. He like completely gave up on the idea and ripped up the script and then gave up. It's, and just, sad. it's really sad to hear this about, you know, Chevy. Of course, he was such a uh, comedic icon, you know, with the vacation yeah. movies and, and he was well liked in the movies and his work. But the yeah. real Chevy Chase, you know, finding out how he is and, you know, apparently Pete Davidson called Chevy Chase a fucking douchebag after Chevy Chase criticizing a current SNL cast. And he said, fuck Chevy yeah. Chase. He's just a genuinely bad racist person. I don't like him. He's a putz. Wow. Holy smokes, dude. That That's from... Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. But um, so obviously, he feels the same way of Chevy Chase as I feel of uh, Seth Rogen. <laughs> that is that is true. <laughs> but uh, let's go into had to take a classic cut break, and we okay. sadly have to say goodbye to Dean on the scene, Rogers. And this this cla- the classic cut I chose has to deal with a movie that we talked about a while ago here on BTV called Fingernails. It's going to be dropping on Apple TV. Um. And uh, it stars Jesse Buckley, Jeremy Allen White from The Bear, and Riz Ahmed. And it's a sci-fi romance where they test um, people's fingernails for compatibility. They they analyze the their fingernails to find out who will be a compatible. I mean, hey, at least I mean, some, is, it, is it using DNA or is it just is it just some kind of weird? At least, at least it's an original story. Yeah, because you do have uh, DNA in your fingernails, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, the trailer is out. It's, it's, you know, is, I'm not sure what to gather from the trailer, but there was a very cool song from the eighties that was played for the trailer. And that's going to be our classic cut. Um, and, uh, this is by, um, the band called Yaz. They're from England. And this song has been played in other, uh, films over the years, but it's, it's a really nice song by this, uh, Alternative electro pop, I guess, new wave group. Yes, and the song is called Only You. You might uh, recognize the song when you hear it. You know the song. <laughs> it's a nice song. Yeah, I'm going to play it at the end of um, Can't Hardly Wait before they Can't Hardly friends. Wait. Yes. And when I heard the, the song in the trailer, I was like, oh, this has got to be the classic cut. It's such a good song. And right after that, we're going to hear my first interview with. Actor Eugenio Derbez from Coda. 
from the Noche Musical event and um, um, some of the performers from Noche Musical right after Eugenio Derbez. Um, of course, the main event interview is going to be towards the end of the program with Angel Manuel Soto. But nonetheless, here's only you, um, the classic cut, followed by our interview with Eugenio Derbez. That's cool. And we're going to say goodbye to Dean on the scene, Rogers. Yeah. Dean, give us a plug really quick. Um, well, we got some upcoming interviews in the next few weeks. In fact, um, we just released an interview with Shelly Herman, who was not only a game show contestant on The Dating Game, but wrote for Supermarket Sweep and Love Connections. She has a new book called My Peacock Tale, Secrets of an NBC Page, which is out right now. And I just recently That's interviewed cool. the director, Raul Peck. He's got a new movie coming out called Silver Dollar Road. And this Friday, I just got approved that I'm going to be covering the PG County Film Festival, which is in its sophomore year. So hoping to talk to some people um, locally, especially two of the um, speakers are Lamont Rucker and Lynn Whitfield. So check us out online anytime at therogersreview.com. And we'll also have our interviews from the same event, Noche Musical. So yeah. Make sure that. Cool. And until then, Dean on the scene for the Roger View, and I'll see you guys out yeah. there. Yeah, Dean, thank you so much for joining us. It's, it's been a pleasure. Always. And as we say goodbye to Dean, let's go ahead and listen to the classic cut. Myself and Darth Paul Walls will still be with us to talk about Ahsoka and some more television stuff and celebrity gossip and pro wrestling. Gotcha. So don't go anywhere. All right. And here is Classic Cut and our first interview from Noche Musical. Back only yesterday, moving farther away. Won't you need me? All I needed was the love you gave. All I needed for another day. And all I Guys, we're here with Eugenio Derbez, actor extraordinaire. Thank you. Here at the Mayflower for this amazing Noche Musical. And you know a little bit about Musical being the music teacher in Coda, right? Exactly. I, I, I had to spend a lot of months uh, uh, learning more piano. I, 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 I knew a little bit of piano, but I was. Yeah. I really had to teach how to teach singing lessons, yes. how to uh, direct a, a, uh, a people singing. It was really complicated. And I, I completely believe that you did a phenomenal job. I could have sworn you were um, a musical uh, uh, Beethoven already. And you really convinced me with your role. That's how good your acting was. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank Absolutely. you. And were you, were you happy about Coda? I mean, it was just a... Tremendous success. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, uh, the the fact that uh, it won an Oscar for me, like, it's unbelievable. But it's a beautiful story, and it's the kind of stories that I like, where you can give voice to all these people that they 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 would feel underrepresented. Uh, the deaf community, they they were like really happy to learn about this movie because they felt always excluded. And we should probably make more movies for them or about them. Yes. And same with Latinos. Same with uh, all kind of a, I mean, sometimes I feel that there are a lot of groups that are not represented on screen and we need to make movies about them. Absolutely. What can you tell us about Radical? 
Well, Radical, yeah. it's uh, it's one of the one of them. Uh, it's based on a true story about a teacher who was fed up with his method, and he thought he he need to change something, and he had no resources. Everything was against him. They didn't have any anything in this small school in Matamoros, Mexico. And he was trying to change something and, and, and he started like doing some research online and he came up with a method where he changed the way his students were thinking and he taught them to think, not to memorize. And next year they became the number one in, in the entire country. And actually one of the, the of his students, a girl named Paloma was number one nationwide. And the Wired magazine um, got her on a cover saying the next Steve Jobs. It's a great story. Very touching. Wow, why can we see this amazing film? It sounds amazing. You have to watch it. it it's really touching and, and, and it's a universal story. You're going to feel identified with, with the characters. Fantastic. Now, of course, we're facing a writer's strike and actor's strike. How has that affected you as a performer? Uh, it affects everyone, uh, the industry a lot. Uh, thank God I, I'm like uh, also working sometimes in Mexico and, and there's an agreement and I was a Mexican actor before this so the union in Mexico um, uh, is not in strike so I, I can be able to go back and forth but uh, but I'm totally supporting the, the strike here in the US. Absolutely. Gotta support. In solidarity. Totalmente, right? Totalmente. That's Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Eugenio. Enjoy your night tonight. All right, Al Soto here with Below the Belt Show in Espanol. It's Debajo del Cinturón. <laughs> with some of the performers here tonight at Noche Musical, formerly Noche de Gala, but now it's Noche Musical. But I think Noche Musical is a more fitting title, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. We're bringing the music to y'all tonight. I'm really excited. That's right. You guys are the performers. And let's go ahead and introduce each of you and what you will be performing tonight. Hi, my name is Diego Rodriguez from McAllen, Texas, and I'm going to be performing Amor Eterno by Juan Gabriel. Hi, my name is Emily Garza, and I will be performing a piece called Baquianas Brasileras that Joan Baez sang. Hi, my name is Katia Dowling. I'll be singing It Must Be Him by Vicky Carr. Um, I'm also from McAllen, Texas, and I go to Sherryland Pioneer High School. Hi, my name is Katie Velasquez. I'm from Harlingen, Texas, and I'll be singing Blue Bayou by Linda Ronstadt. Very, very cool. Very cool. So uh, what are your musical influences? Obviously, as young performers, maybe you looked up a certain Latino artist. Maybe it was certain just pop stars or rock stars in general. Who were your musical influences? This one's kind of niche, but I grew up loving Los Lonely Boys. My dad, we would go to the Blues on the Hills concert and watch Los Lonely Boys. Heaven is one of my favorite songs. I feel like as a musical influence, they remind me to be confident in who I am as a person, as a Mexican, uh, American, and the uh, you know, just seeing what, what, what you are, you know, you like, I can't not be who I am. And so whatever I sing, anything I perform and do, it's, it's so representative of who I am and the community I come from. And, uh, yeah, I love those Sony boys. They're incredible. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. So growing up, my whole family has really been my musical influence. Uh, at every barbecue, every birthday celebration, we'd all get together and, uh, sing karaoke. And so I've heard Selena, I've heard, um, really, from everywhere. I don't I don't even know, be, know where to begin. Uh, really, Selena is one of my tia's main influencers. 
she herself became a Tejano artist. And then my tío also uh, plays music and, and does gigs. And he recently got flown out to Mississippi, I think, um, to play. And so I look at all of what they're doing and I want to live up to that. Awesome. My family's a huge influence. You're certainly uh, living it up tonight here at uh, NH NHFA, right? How about you? Well, I think this question is quite difficult for me because I really tap into all kinds of music. I, I just love music in general, but this may be an expected answer, but I love Vicky Carr. <laughs> I think that she really represents that Latinos and Latinas can do all kinds of music, especially the classical side, the beautiful side, and all kinds are beautiful, but I think she really highlights the versatility of like Latino music, and I love that. I grew up listening to Selena all the time. Every Sunday, she was playing all over the house. Um, so really, she was my musical inspiration. And especially being a Latina, I just, I really looked up to her. Um, I was learning the washing machine at like five years old, but it was, it was a great, it was a great experience. And she was a big influence on me. Now, how does this uh, event tonight rank with the rest of the performances you've done uh, over the years? I have never done anything this cool ever. And so I'm really excited. It's, it's an incredible opportunity. I got a tux. I feel really cool. This is, it's awesome. This is an incredible event. I'm really excited. How about you? Same answer. This is an amazing event. I've never been flown out anywhere to do anything. Uh, I guess the events like dressed up caliber that's mainly the same is the Palm Awards. And that's in the Valley where it, it is an award show dedicated to showcasing um, high school theater. We all were a part of it, and that is mainly the reason we are here today performing for you guys. But this is the biggest thing we've ever been invited to. I mean, you're going to be singing in front of, like, Camila Moron and Angel Manuel Soto, who just directed Blue Beetle, by the way. Um, so how does it feel to be performing in front of such celebrities? I think it's insanely... I feel so honored to be performing in front of such like influential people. I mean, I look up to Camila Monroe. I love Daisy Jones and the Sims. I literally, I, I fangirl so hard over it. And I think it's so insane that organizations like the Palm Awards and Noche de Gala give me the opportunity to share my craft with people that I've looked up to. So. Nice. And do the nerves have you tonight? Or do you got it? You got it. You got it going on. A bit nervous but I'm, i think i'm more excited um it really is a, a, such an honor to perform for these artists and to show them that how much talent we have uh where we come from and so we're just all really excited well there you go some of the performers here at noche musical tonight uh so we can't wait to hear these amazing performers here at n h f a here at the mayflower all right, that was Yaz, Only You, followed by our interview uh, from Noche Musical with Eugenio Derbez. You might know him from CODA, um, the, the music teacher from CODA. Who, I mean, amazing performance. I mean, the the, the movie uh, won an Oscar. As yeah, you that's know, cool. So um, that was a great, great interview. But um, yes, we had to wait till Dean dropped off. Big Paul to talk about our favorite fandom, Star Wars. That's right. Yeah. Let's talk about episode six and seven of Ahsoka because we broadcast on Tuesday last week. Oh, okay, so you missed that. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about both episodes. Um, so uh, first of all, the, the I should mention Ahsoka has been higher than most other recent Star Wars premieres, um, but trailed the latest season of Mandalorian up until very recently. 
So last Friday, the latest Star Wars series hit 83 times the average series demand in the U.S., which is higher than The Mandalorian reached at any point. Oh, that's pretty good. That's interesting. Um, Well, I mean, did you ever get into the Clone Wars? I have not finished Clone Wars, they call. Yeah. You need to get into that because, I mean, that that, that has, I think that's the base that you're getting right now is the Clone Wars base because they really didn't like the new Star Wars stuff. They wanted to. Uh, and Filoni's the one he did the Clone War, so it's like his yeah. story time that I think. I need to finish. I, I'm somewhere in the middle of season one, and I started watching it again with my. Oh, season nephew. one's awful because season one had a Jar Jar Banks episode, and that, <laughs> that was not good. So, so, I, I, so I mean, I, like it's better later on. I mean, after well, season. They one. say it's a true Star season Wars. Season one, they were like kind of finding their footing until they got to the better yeah. story, sir. But let's go ahead and talk about Ahsoka. Uh, so season six. Sorry. So episode six. Season six, man, this shows. I know we're jumping ahead. Episode six uh, was called Far, Far Away because we saw the galaxy far, far away, which is so awesome that now that we're dealing with two galaxies in the Star Wars. So first there was only one galaxy and now there's a second galaxy. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So they had to like travel to hyperspace, you know, and Ahsoka Tano, as you know, she's in this whale. Um, yep. it's space whales, I guess. And so weird. It's it's very weird, but it's a felony creation, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they go into hyperspace with Hu Yang, and try to find Sabine, Sabine Wren. And um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's, I mean, it's it's interesting because it, the it starts with a long time ago in a galaxy far, yeah. far away is like the iconic, you know, crawl. And, and it's also and it's also kind of like cool that they they're like incorporating like the animated shows into like Rebels and also Clone Wars and all that stuff. Because it's Dave Filoni's project and he yeah. writes it. And you know he's very meticulous about like canon and and consistency. Yeah. He's really good. But it's interesting because you know it was about the travel. Unlike Kathleen uh, Kennedy, who's like, hey, <laughs> yeah, what goes on in this thing? But like, uh, you know, Ahsoka was. You know, tell me a story. Tell me one of those stories to Hyung the droid. It's like, oh, I could tell you a, a story a long time yeah. ago in a galaxy far, far away, <laughs> which is really interesting. And then, of course, we go back to the planet and we we get introduced to the the uh, the sisters, the, uh, the 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 what do they call them? The great mothers. Um, wow. Um, those they they look really evil, don't they? Those, no, they are evil. Aren't they like witches? witches? Yeah, the three witches. I mean, that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of cool that there's other like powerful beings other than Jedi. You know, you kind of have. To well, well, those up. witches are like also the ones that like um, I think they're I think they were related to uh, Darth Maul and I forget his brother. But oh Darth yes, brother. because Dathomir is their home planet, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Dathomir is where Darth Maul is from. That's yeah. right. But they're not the same um, species as. Darth no, they're Maul. different. They're different. Yeah. Okay, they're but, different. but they kind of—I think they wound up—I think they wound up growing, uh, raising Darth Maul, if I remember correctly, according to the lore in the uh, Clone Wars series. Yeah, so we get introduced to them, and um, of course uh, Sabine was released, and she, you know, they tell her go ahead and find Ezra if you want, because they—they—they're pretty confident that yeah. she's going to be killed during her mission, but not the case, you know. She takes down a whole bunch of those. Uh, Look like samurai samurai troopers or whatever. Yeah. 
takes them on on their own and then encounters a, a big group of snail-like creatures. And these snail-like creatures or turtles or what would you call these kind of creatures? I don't know. They're like uh, snails. Probably some kind of mollusk or some kind of. Uh, I don't know if yeah. I'd call them turtles. So uh, they're Koopas. That's what they are. They're Koopas. They, they're incorporating so, a Nintendo. These Koopas, uh, yeah, they they show Sabine Wren where Ezra Bridger is, and apparently Ezra's been living among the Koopas, um, <laughs> and uh, he's doing just fine. He's just like they're kind yeah. of like a nomadic group. They travel together, and uh, that's where the episode ends, like right there, you know. So, and then we get to episode. So that's a big reveal. We finally see Ezra yeah. Bridger, but I think the cameo in episode seven was what a lot of people will be talking. Yeah, about. that was a big one. So in episode seven, we 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 get to the cameo actually right off the bat because Harrison Dula, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, apparently um, is in a uh, I guess some kind of panel with another senator that's kind of a dick that's not approving of what Harrod did or the mission that they went on. But then they talk about how Senator Leia Organa approved the mission. And then we see a familiar droid, C-3PO. Uh, so C-3PO arrives and Hera's hearing, lets everyone know that Princess Leia actually approved Hera's mission. So there you go. So that yeah. was that was really, really cool. And then we get we go back to, what's the planet called? Peridia or whatever? Peridia? Yeah. And, um, and then we see um, pretty much um, Sabine Wren and uh, and uh, Ezra um, finally together talking about what happened. And then, of course, Shin Hati, the apprentice of Balin Skull, um, they fight with them and some of those samurai warriors, I guess. And uh, Yeah, I, I don't get the samurai warriors thing, but I guess he had to add them in. I guess you had to add him in because the, to be a more formidable, you know, yeah. to Sabine and and Ezra really showed off his uh, his uh, force skills. He used a lot of. Oh, the he's force. a Jedi, so it's like he's yes. like a youngling. So he's a, he's a Jedi, and uh, I almost called him Ezra Miller. <laughs> <laughs> that Ezra, would, I would like to see that Ezra get killed in the show, but. <laughs> so we saw yes he is a, indeed a jedi so we saw them team up which is really cool and then ahsoka arrives on peridia and um faces uh balin balin one-on-one in a lightsaber battle That's so um, yeah it was, it was quite an exciting uh episode and um i guess we'll find out what's next um after that are we gonna get you see, early on it seemed like ahsoka had this slow burn thing it was just kind of like you know, just dragging it seems like it's gotten a lot better since yeah so i don't know um we'll have to wait and see what happens in the final episodes next week paula will we see another cameo like maybe r2d2 or or uh i have, I have a hunch about something but i could be wrong okay um, Go ahead. My hunch is that might not be C-3PO. That might be uh, another droid. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I mean, I mean, I don't yeah. want to ruin it for a second for people who are going to watch the next episode. So, and might. Why? What, what have you read? And what? What do you? What do you? What do you? Um, read? I'm thinking that it might be that there was a assassin droid in the comics named C-3PX, which looked just like C-3PO. Okay. And maybe he was sent to kind of like 
I like do 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 him harm in some way. You know what I mean? Oh boy. Well, I mean, he hasn't. He didn't do anything evil in episode seven. Well, I know, but that's the whole point. He's he's an assassin, Joy, so he makes people think he's C three PO, and then like if he comes right back around, so you think he's okay. So so in episode eight next week, we're gonna see the C three PO that we saw in episode seven turn on Hera and and our heroes. Yes. Really? Okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, because as I said, we'll that, that character has not made it into the live action universe yet, but uh, it's well, possible. Is that a Legends character? Yeah, well, I think it was a Legends character, but then okay. again, Dave Filoni is notorious for grabbing the Legends characters and putting them in the. Well, Thrawn is a Legends character. Yes. He, and he he's very popular. I mean, mm-hmm. dude, I mean, he, the, Mads Mikkelsen's doing an incredible job. Yeah. With, uh, that character of uh, of Thrawn, so I can't wait for episode eight. A lot better than job in Indiana Jones. Yeah. So now that we've seen most of Ahsoka, how would you rank the live action Star Wars from best to worst? I would say, see, the Mandalorian last season, I don't like as much. Um, right. I mean, if you count the earlier seasons of Mandalorian, I would say Mandalorian probably be yes. number one. Agreed. Spoka's probably number two. Yes. Um, other shows are just. And then we're left. We're left with Andor, Obi Wan, and Book of Boba Fett. Uh, Andor is probably a good solid three. Okay. Then I'd say. I don't know. It's awesome because both Book of Boba Fett and Obi Wan just uh, they just both both kind of weren't great. I mean, I I would say I guess. Book of Boba Fett slightly above everyone. Okay, that that's a kind of a fair uh, fair ranking. I might actually agree with you for once. <laughs> I might actually agree with you for once, man. Um, but uh, yeah, well, that was Star Wars Ahsoka talk. Of course, uh, Dean did not want to be a part of that, so uh, okay. you know what? Let's move on. And uh, I actually have some news on uh, the Golden Globes. Uh, the Glo- the Golden Globes will introduce two new categories to its upcoming uh, January broadcast. So I think it's kind of overdue. They're they're now going to have a category for blockbuster movies because as you know, a lot of blockbuster movies are overlooked in best yeah. picture, best actor, sort of. So um, this will be cinematic and box office achievement and. The movies have to have at least grossed 150 million during the release, um, and um, yeah, I think that's a very good one. And here's a second category which I think uh, is overdue as well: best performance in stand-up comedy on television. So as you know, a lot of stand-up comedy. Well, so, I mean, Dave Chappelle is going to probably win every year, and uh... <laughs> yeah, unless he gets canceled, he should be winning every year. Mm-hmm. But Netflix didn't cancel him, so he's still yeah he's still he's still doing okay so as you know the golden globes had a lot of controversy paul over the years because of at first they didn't have any black voters on the organization yeah i don't think that's right um yeah so they finally were able to remedy that but now they had three members expelled for conduct violations which is crazy apparently um their names are Raweda hamdi Munawad Hossein and Aniko Navai. So apparently uh, Hamdi, who's an Egyptian journalist, was investigated 
have to report that some of her reviews and tweets in Arabic expressed anti-Semitic and extremist remark. So she was, uh, yeah, expelled. Um, and it's not known why the other two were expelled. Um, but I mean, I'm sure some people were like, you heard about the scandal with, um, rotten tomatoes, right? I mean, they were paying journalists to give better reviews. I mean, I'm sure some of that went on too. I mean, I'm not sure it's, I mean, it might not be the case, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure like stuff goes on. I mean, I, so, so you think some of those critics were a part of some the, of those critics might have like, yeah. I mean, I can't say yeah. for certain. I mean, I'm not going to accuse anybody of anything, but it is a very good possibility. Some interesting. Wow. All right. What do we have in celebrity gossip? Well, um, so. As we know, Danny Masterson, Masterson's locked up for 30 years. Oh, well, I think he's guilty. So, I mean, I, I think yeah. he deserves it. But, I mean, like, as I said, Russell Brand hasn't been proven to be anything. So I don't have a different view. Yeah, yeah we, we already know that he's definitely guilty for that. But um, now he has to, apparently the Church of Scientology and Danny will have to face a civil lawsuit by the victims. Were they, were they like, intimidating him in some way? Yes, that's that's exactly what it is. Yeah, apparently um, it was really for the church um, harassing them and stalking them. Well, isn't that what had Then Leah Remney saying she had a bunch of that problem, too, like yeah. when she started talking out against them? Yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah, so the, the, the victims also had vandalism to their cars and property. They oh, poisoned man. their pets. I mean, this is... That's crazy. Dude, Scientology is pretty fucked off, man. I, now you're gonna I get a answer. I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anything about Tom Cruise, but you know, yeah. I know he's a very um, devout Scientologist. But yeah, well, yeah. it's not over. It's not over for Danny yet. So to have a civil lawsuit on top of being already in prison yeah, for thirty crazy. years, yeah, it's and it didn't wasn't he a child star too? Then he start off really yeah. young. Yeah, he started really really young. Absolutely, yeah. A, I mean, it's a shame that people do dumb stuff and throw their careers away like that. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. So here's another interesting um, celebrity gossip thing. So I don't know if you've ever seen American Horror Story 1984. It was a, uh, it was a pretty good it was season. Okay. It was, I, I thought it was a little disappointing. But. So you saw it, yeah. So I don't know if you're familiar with Angelica Ross. She is a transgender actress. No. And apparently um, she pretty much told a lot of things that went on set. One is that Emma Roberts made a transphobic comment. Apparently they both had makeup um, to age the characters oh, by yeah. several years. And then she comes to set and she's like, oh, you look rested. And then uh, I guess um. Okay, so Angelica tells Emma Roberts, oh, you look rested. Whatever rested means, I'm not sure what she means. Then Angelica, then Emma goes to the director. I I think that might have been like a a backhanded comment saying, hey, you look uh, look like you're tired and rough. Okay. And then Emma Roberts tells the director, Angelica's being mean. And then the director goes, okay, ladies. And then... Emma Roberts reportedly says, don't you mean lady singular? Oh, pretty much. Well, it sounded, it sounded like they had a beef on set. So, I mean, 
don't I mean, think she, it's right she, to make fun of somebody, but it's like yeah, but, but it's it, basically yeah, basically implying that she was the only lady on set because mm-hmm. you know Angelica's transgender. Yeah, and then she tried to say no, I was just referring to myself. I'm the lady. I'm the one being nice, is what she. But apparently Emma still apologized, but apparently that wasn't enough. And um, and apparently in other situations that they were on set and Angelica was copying Cody Fern's accent. And then Emma copies Angelica's voice and drops it several octaves lower, like a guy's voice. And apparently said she was shook and... You know, that was, you know, so a couple transphobic things, allegedly. Well, see, I mean, is it transphobic or is it, it sounds like they've been bickering on set. So, I mean, or is it just the fact that they don't just like each other? They might just they hate don't each, like other. each other. They must just not like each other. So, so but, it's like, as I said, like, I think it's just being blown out of proportion because, like, one person's one way, one person's the other way. But it's, I think it's also a personality issue, too. It's definitely a personality issue. I mean, Emma Roberts. I mean, I have no to- problems with, like, like, I mean, I have problems with, like, kids doing that stuff hey if an adult wants to do that, that's fine i'm not into it but hey if that's what you want to live that's fine yeah do your, exactly. do your thing and uh but, if, but emma roberts says that she's an ally and that she she didn't intend the the what she said to be you know misconstrued as transphobic so that's what she's claiming so we don't really know i mean that was i mean it just already, sounds like a personality conflict to me i mean it, just the way it, it was already yeah it was already several years ago. No, so. I did. I did hear issues about the director. I heard the director could be a real pain to deal with, but the director from the American Horror Story. Yeah, I heard. Uh, oh, I heard he's, yeah. I heard okay, he's I pretty tough. I mean, I, I know I know local actors who work with him, and they say he's just he's just a piece of work. But I mean, he gets his, he puts out good things, so I guess he does put he, put out good things. Yeah. All right. Um. Let's talk about. Uh, some news on the Super Bowl halftime show. So apparently Usher will be the halftime performer, which will take place in Las Vegas this February with Apple. Wasn't Music he canceled? Sp- I thought he was canceled for something. Usher was not canceled. I thought Where he did you? some some kind of. I thought I, I thought he got canceled. Uh, you're, thinking of, you're thinking of R. Kelly or something? I don't think you're thinking of. <laughs> no, Usher. I know R. Kelly's been canceled. I, yeah, I know I, uh, Kanye's probably been canceled, but. Kanye's definitely canceled with the anti-Semitic remarks. But what have you heard about Usher? I haven't heard anything about Usher. I, I thought it was some sexual thing years ago. I mean, it was not recent. It was like maybe like five or okay. six years ago. I thought he did something like he was accused well, of rape or something. Maybe I, I maybe I'm getting a mix up with somebody else. But I thought I, I heard something get, years ago. I don't think if he was accused of rape that he would be performing at the one of the biggest. I mean, this is years ago. It wasn't like it wasn't like yesterday. It's, Even if it was yesterday, I mean, look at Danny. And then maybe, and as I said, it might have been one of those false accusations things. I thought it was, it was something dude, that happened. twenty years ago for Danny Masterson, and he's he's canceled for thirty years. Yeah, but he they was guilty, not, guilty. That's a that's the difference. You're let, guilty. Yeah, I mean, true. the option might have just been an accusation and it proven to be false, kind of like the Amber Heard thing. Know. But I don't no. know. I don't know. Somebody will have to fact check that one. I'm not sure. I haven't heard about that, but uh. And speaking of football, um, Taylor Swift, can you believe it? She's now rumored to be dating Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs and apparently was at the game um, when the Chiefs uh, pretty much destroyed the Bears 41 to 10. Not as bad as the Dolphins got destroyed the Broncos. Did you see that game? I didn't. I did not see that game. They won by like 50 points. Wow. But. The score wasn't what people were talking about. They're talking about Taylor Swift yeah. in the suite with 
with Kelsey's mom, Travis Kelsey's mom. And apparently now there are rumors about a budding romance. So apparently she. The poor Travis let, Kelsey's going to have a song written about him when they break up, right? <laughs> That's the thing, man. She keeps going. I, I think, you know, what? Taylor, Taylor Swift doesn't need a wealthy and famous guy. She just needs to date a regular guy. Because I think these these guys she's going for are but just. She dated gonna... one regular guy, didn't she? Then she's dating... no, that was Lady Gaga. She dated some guy from Lancaster. Maybe La- but... Lady Gaga did. I don't think uh, Taylor Swift ever has dated like a regular. And you guy. know she's local. She's from. Uh, I think she's from Lancaster, isn't she? Oh, okay, yeah. She's exactly. from Pennsylvania. They either Reading or Lancaster. Yeah, she's it's funny because she she's an Eagles fan. Um, growing up in in Pennsylvania. But apparently yeah. now she has to be a Kansas City Chiefs fan if she's going to be dating Travis Kelsey. Or she could say she likes Kelsey because her brother is actually an eagle. That's right. The brother is an eagle. She should be dating him instead, right? But he's the more famous of the, the Kelsey brothers. Yeah. I don't know. But apparently a lot of people think it might be a publicity stunt because Travis Kelsey's football jersey has been – um. Apparently, the sales have increased by 400% since him and Taylor Swift um, have been rumored to be dating. So all these girls are going to be running around in chat, uh, Travis Kelsey jerseys now? Because they're big Swifties, exactly. Mm-hmm. Even Travis Kelsey gained 27,000 new Instagram followers and tops 3.2 followers. I have an idea, Al. We could burst the show if we both try to date Taylor Swift. I think that would be great numbers. I hope, hope, hope Dawn would be okay with that. Maybe she'll make an exception for, for Taylor Swift. It might be great. She, for be, both she, she could be your like a what? What is that? Uh, the hall pass. She could be the hall pass. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> That's it's interesting because uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, said in a press conference that she's is he jealous. I don't know if he's jealous. I mean, you know, he's date. You know, he's married to a, you know, a pretty good looking woman who. It was apparently us. She's a soccer star and whatever, but okay. said that she's a tremendous singer, tremendous at everything she does. I haven't gotten a chance to meet her, but I guess if she ends up being with Travis, then I'll probably get to meet her at some point. Seems like a good person. So hopefully I get to meet her one day. <laughs> Pretty funny. Um, I don't know. Apparently uh, his wife was a little jealous of the attention trap, uh, like that Travis and Taylor Swift were getting. But I don't, well, do you know, I, don't know I, I, I just now thought about it. Since you're dating somebody, I'll I'll put it out there. Taylor Swift, if you want to date me, I'm available, <laughs> and um, we would like to have you on the show. <laughs> you heard it from Darth Paul Wallace himself. He's a Sith Lord, and you're tall. And Taylor Swift is a is a tall woman. So mm. uh, if you're six foot eight, you can't teach that. You might have to be able to teach. And I'm kind of <laughs> local to where she grew up, ah, so I know the area. Yeah. <laughs> it's out there taylor swift if you're listening darth paul wallace is open to a, an an encounter let's just say very good well paul i think it's time to switch gears to what we love here on btv and that's pro wrestling <laughs> so the big news from last week paul is wwe cleaning house cutting talent from the roster so let's go Let's go through some of the names and um, some of the news surrounding it. Okay. Now, in two of the most shocking releases, Dolph Ziggler and Matt Riddle. Um, those are two of the more um, 
just surprising. Yeah. Um, um, because uh, it's, I, Riddle wasn't as kind of surprising for me because he's been okay. off TV for a while. And there, there's been some accusation or something about him. I don't know what he did, but he did something. This is like the second or third time because he was in the doghouse before. Wasn't he for like he something he did? Well, it's weird because he apparently accused um, someone of of sexual sexually assaulting him at uh, JFK Airport. Maybe you know when they maybe they gave him a mm-hmm. knockdown or something. And apparently he was under the influence of alcohol during the incident. Uh, so if he was drunk, yeah, I mean, yeah. that might be a wellness policy thing. So, but I mean, yeah. as I said, he's had some other issues. He's had more than one issue. Yeah, and and another reason it could be is because now, as you know, WWE and UFC are under the the TKO Holdings umbrella. Endeavor, yeah, the umbrella. And apparently, Dana White wasn't a fan of Riddle's attitude. And apparently, they're saying it probably was a joint decision. It's not worth worth having him around. So yeah, I mean, if a- he's a, I don't know what his past was, but I mean, it sounded like he. He's kind of a womanizer. He probably drank and party a little much. And I, I have a hunch he had issues in WWE. I can't say for certain. And if yeah. he had issues in UFC with Dana White, I mean, I, I mean, I guess I, that makes it more yeah. of a reason. Because because WWE did have him off TV for a little while because of his issues. So it's like, yeah, because of issues, they brought him back as he was very much on TV very recently, and then now he's released so i don't know now, now Dolph ziggler is a different story i let's talk about Dolph. Have, uh, i know he signed a big contract for a lot of money but i thought did he ask to be released before because he i mean he, he apparently he does a lot of stand-up comedy and um i it's think he wanted to wrestle with his brother too he, he was so, very limited in what he could do with a stand-up um mm-hmm. and i i actually talked to Dolph ziggler at an event in dc after the white house correspondence and talked to him and I said, that I thought what would be good is if he brought his stand-up comic gimmick to his wrestling and kind of yeah. like bury people in, in a monologue or something, you know? And I told him that, but he's he actually had very, something very interesting to say that he said he would like that, but WWE would not allow it, which so, I thought, so you know, yeah, I mean, he's a good guy. Been, he's a good guy. AEW, so I assume he might want to go over with his brother and maybe he could do that gimmick there. He could do that gimmick there, and if, obviously he can't use the Dolph Ziggler name. That is a, a WWE trademark. Yeah. But interesting enough, the person that a lot of people talked about on social media, like a lot of superstars, was Dolph Ziggler. So The Rock um, actually said, just seeing all these releases now, these days so effing tough for the ones that give all the crazy, uh, give, give their all to the crazy world of pro wrestling, like yeah. Dolph Ziggler. What a decorated WWE career, and I'll always be a supporter and a fan. I can't wait to see. Yeah, Dolph Ziggler was one of those underrated wrestlers who didn't make a name for himself, but he could sell stuff so well, he made exactly. all the guys look good. Made so, I mean, as I said, he could, have made up, he could have been a champion if he really like had an ego. And But, I mean, it's like he just didn't have an ego, and he sold all the people so well, that's why they gave him all that money. That and he's reliable, he's a good mm-hmm. worker, he can always have a good match with somebody, and he could have been used as a producer or a, yep. you know, somewhere along those lines. Um, but, but I think he might have he might have wanted out himself, to, as I said, just to pursue other options or just to even wrestle with his brother because he's, he's getting up there in age, it's like the window is going to close with him and his brother, so yeah. Well, 
Rick Flair, I didn't know this, but Rick Flair has been friends with uh, Dolph Ziggler for 20 years. He said, um, and Rick Flair said, you have been nothing less than the best professional and the best at everything you have been called upon to do. A leader, a champion, a man of unquestionable character. Yeah, because think about the bad gimmicks yeah. he had to overcome. He had to be like, he was like the chauffeur to the, the current white character, the, like a golf caddy. And then he was like the male cheerleader guy. He overcame those bad gimmicks. Yes, yes, you did. I mean, obviously, uh, spirit, you're talking about the spirit squad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Miz and Ziggler are very good friends behind the scenes. And the Miz... Um, took to um to his social media and said one of the best matches of his career was career versus title uh match at no mercy against Dolph Ziggler everything leading up to that match was great Dolph always brought the best out of me every time we worked together um, now, now what do you think about some of the other ones I mean I, I think yeah he's could, been begging to be yeah. released for a long time because he just didn't think he was being used right so I assume that that was well, like just, hey let's just cut salary and get rid of him yeah, and then one more would be Matt Hardy describing Dolph Ziggler's WWE releases of, as very shocking. Yeah. Uh, so and yeah, I thought he would. I, I thought he would at least go twenty years, and then like maybe yeah. make the decision after that. But I guess. And Matt Hardy added to that: the releases just make people question like my necks. It makes them walk in eggshells, and it makes them very worried and anxious about what the future may even hold for them. So that's a very, very, um, you know, but he did, he did send that huge contract. So maybe that had something to do with yeah. it. Maybe it was too much money for what they, what he was being used for. That could be yeah. it too. But, but right, I, I thought he asked for his release a while back too, but maybe I'm wrong. Let's uh, throw out the rest of the names. Um, Felton Benjamin, you know, he would have been great because he's so technically incredible. He, uh, I, I, I think what. I think they should have kept him even like in the backstage role as a coach. Or a... Exactly, what I was gonna say, Paul, before he jumped in. Yes, uh, he would have been a great producer because he's just—he's got that amateur background, you know. He like the Kurt Angles and the Brock Lesnar's and the Chad Gables, um, and Shelton would have been such a good resource to have behind the scenes. Um, but sadly, they did release him. Um, now this one's very shocking, and that's Elias. Elias. Well, that was kind of a shock. You know what? He was so over when they just let him sing, and he would bury people in song yep. on his guitar, and he was just so over then. And then for whatever reason, they went to the stupid brother gimmick, Zeke. Yeah, that was kind of a dumb gimmick. It didn't. It didn't work. I mean, Elias was just so over, and he had like the top album on iTunes. You know, it's just like. Yeah. I just I I. I I'm just shocked and I'm really disappointed that, that he was released. Um, now Rick Boogs, uh, similar to Elias had that musical background. He was a guitarist. The dude had a lot of charisma and he was and, huge. And Rick Boogs, you know, um, is a surprising one. Cause I thought he'd be, you know, somebody that they would well, still, is he still injured, though. Is he still kind of bad? You know what? He's had some injuries, you know, and, it, and, and Rick Boogs actually said, on a YouTube video, he actually posted a YouTube video and he said that backstage political power play was the reason for his release, is what he said. I mean, so he must not have got along with somebody. Yeah. So that's a thing. If you're if you're if you're not friends with the right people, or if you're enemies with top people, that's gonna affect your Well, career. I mean, look what happened to PCO. 
Now, who's that? PCO was one of the Quebecers back in the day. Okay. He was being pushed. Uh, it was, uh, what was his name? Pierre Quora. I forget his real name. Oh, but Pierre, he, Pierre Olay, right? Yeah. Yeah. The guy with the one patch, the patch eye. Okay. Like, yeah. They pushed him, like, Brent's wanted to push him to the moon. And then, like, the click was like, nope. And then two months later, he was gone. Because he he's, he wasn't a part of the clique. He he was he didn't get along with Triple H. Oldest, he's one of the oldest active wrestlers out right now. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah. Yeah. So kudos for him for doing well in the other. Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying like he he kind of got screwed because of backstage politics. So. Yeah. So there you go. Now the Mustafa Ali release is very surprising for a couple of reasons. It's one, surprising that they, they they were pushing him recently and then to release him, but he wanted to be gone for a long time. He wanted to leave. Yeah, he wanted to be released. So maybe that, that's the reason why. But mm-hmm. Mustafa Ali was supposed to have a match at this Saturday's NXT pay-per-view. Yeah. And I think it was against Dominic Mysterio. And, you know, you know, I was thinking I was thinking they would, like, still let him wrestle the match and do what they did with Drake Maverick, yeah. you know, which kind of got Drake Maverick over and they gave him another chance. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, maybe with Mustafa, it probably had to do with he wanted out before and they just made it easy for him, you know? Uh, okay, okay, so now we also lost a couple, Big Paul. Uh, yeah. Emma and Riddick Moss. Um, talk about crazy because apparently they just got engaged um, earlier this year. That's Emma crazy. and Riddick Moss. And now they're both released from WWE. Um, Emma, I don't know. I mean, like, she apparently got released uh, the first time because of some uh, incident where she allegedly shoplifted but that ended up not oh, okay. yeah, but wasn't that false? Re- it was false and they brought her back and then they released her again and now they actually released her for good and i guess i don't think they ever gave her much of a shot though because she was pretty good elsewhere wasn't she yeah yeah i think she was and the fact that they released the couple together is yeah eh, it's kind of a dick move you know mm-hmm. um so um they're released from their contract from wwe and two more other surprising WWE female superstars, Aaliyah and Dana Brooke. Um, yeah, Dana Aaliyah, Brooke's been there for a long time. Dana Brooke has been a veteran for a while. Dana Brooke also was recently on NXT TV. Yeah. And Aaliyah, I think she broke the record for the quickest pin by a, um, yeah. a female superstar. Yeah, it's I crazy. She, I mean, yeah. I don't think they use her well at all. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what so um again two very surprising releases um now um this one i don't know it's weird because they kept two of the faction but not one so top dollar of uh remind me of their faction i, I think that one's backstage politics because i heard him and triple h really don't get along is that what it was no i heard him and triple h did like that's why he was gotten rid like because vince wanted to keep him and triple h was like i don't want this guy all right and that's why because other group, remember he was left like a little while after the rest of the group got released. But I, I heard him and Triple H don't get along. I, did I don't know if it's true, that. but that's just what I heard. Wow. So AJ Francis is the guy's real name. He's a he's actually a former um, NFL player. Yeah. And yeah. So the faction's called um, Hit Bro. Even though Top Dollar was released, they still kept the Fab and Shante. Yeah. yeah. They they released Top Dollar, so I'm guessing Hit Row is just a duo now, or are they going to just yeah. expand? Or just make them something else? Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, 
Um, also released, um, the Maximum Male Models. They released both of them. Massey and Mansoor. I don't think they ever really took off, did they? Yeah, and apparently Vince McMahon was a big fan of that gimmick, the, the Maximum Male Model gimmick. Because yeah, didn't he try that with a Fandango and uh, what's his name back in the day, too? Yeah. I guarantee you, Big Paul, if, if LA Knight remained with Maximum Male Models, he possibly could have been released. I think it's, it is, he is so lucky that yeah. they were able to kill that gimmick for him and branch out as LA Knight now as a yeah. you know, top superstar. Um, but uh, yeah, Massey and Mansoor of Maximum Male Models has been released. Did LA Knight think- ever wrestle for MLW or no? Because I mean, I know he's from Hagerstown, so I wonder if he did any local stuff. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. And then we have two giants, um, Shanky and Daba Kato. Daba Kato, I mean, he was like the yeah. commander of Z's or whatever. And then Shanky was with Veer and that the big yeah. Indian faction. They're both two big guys that just, just, just couldn't, couldn't wrestle. They just couldn't. See, see, that's what Vince brings in. He brings in guys and he says sees if they could do anything. If they can't do anything, he just gets rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> Because, I mean, did you ever notice he brings some of those guys in and it's like yeah. these guys are like that's, huge? See, that's, like why, these guys. that's why uh, people like Braun Strowman are a commodity because you got a big guy that can actually work in the ring. So. Yeah. And then the rest of the names are probably. Speaking, of, speaking of that, I'm actually surprised they didn't bring back Eric Redbeard. You know what? You mentioned that before on WWE because of what happened to Bray Wyatt. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it wouldn't surprise me. He's probably under contract. I think he's under contract with Impact, doesn't he? Or another company. I'm not sure. I thought Impact are all like free agents, more or less. But maybe I'm wrong. The rest of the names that have been released are probably NXT developmentals like Ikemenjiro, Yulisa Leon, Quincy Elliott, Bryson Montana, Kevin Ventura Cortez. Daniel MacArthur, Alexis Gray, Brooklyn Barlow, and Abuli Abadi Fitzgerald. Boy, so that's those, a long name. Yeah, those are the 22 uh, talents that were released from their uh, their contract. So, um, but interestingly enough, they released those 22 names, but brought in a new superstar in Jade Cargill. They brought in two. Uh, who's the second one you're alluding to? Um, the second one is um, what's his name? Uh, shoot. Uh, that's he's a, he's a. I'm drawing a blank on the name. Uh, it's junior. It's a junior. Um. Okay. Junior. Well. No, no. He just signed like today. I'm trying to think of. It. Oh, he signed today. Okay. Well. Uh, what's his What's his name? Um. But he's going to debut on NXT. Um. Who's the guy who followed with Stone Cold? The guy who got in trouble for the gun. His name. Oh gosh, I don't know. Back in the back in the Attitude Era, he's a huge name. Oh, Pillman, Brian Pillman. And Brian Pillman Jr. just signed. Yes. Oh, Brian Pillman Jr. just signed. Yeah. Okay. So he's in WWE now. I did not know that. Okay. So Brian Pillman Jr. and now we have Jade Cargill. Um, apparently Jade Cargill finished her contract with AEW before uh, traveling to Orlando at the Performance Center. That is actually a shock that they signed Jake Cargill because then she said like a week before she like thanked Tony Khan and thought he was like greatest boss ever. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what happened. W- was she released from her contract or they just didn't resign? No. Her? I think she was. Uh, I think she was a free agent. She just didn't sign with him. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, we'll see what they bring to the table. Um, but um. So in addition to all those releases, you know, now that um, WWE is under 
Endeavor and, and joined with UFC. Um, SmackDown will now be returning to USA Network. Um, this is kind of surprising. You know, Fox kind of brought SmackDown yep. to mainstream audiences on a, on a, you know, on network television. Now they're going back I'm to actually cable. also surprised about that. They didn't put it on NBC because, I mean, you think it would show up on. Well, USA Network is owned by NBC. Well, I know, but you think it would be on normal NBC network on Friday yeah. nights. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, um, WWE will also host four NBC primetime network specials. So there you go. Oh, okay. So I guess that's what Saturday, Saturday night's main event, you know? Wasn't that the, what NBC did back in the day, you know? Yeah, so, but Saturday night main event was all like the third and fourth tier guys that like were on their way out. You know what I mean? Not all the time. Not all the time. I remember... Bret Hart and Buddy Piper having a match on Saturday Night's Main Event. I mean, no, not all the time, dude. Sometimes they, they're, there's some really big ones on there, for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But um, So we've been talking more about Fastlane next week's show. when We have, we only have two matches so far. Okay. And as you know, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura challenged Seth Rollins once again. For the world championship, but it will be a last man standing match. And then, uh, do you want do you want my prediction now, or do you want to wait? Well, we're gonna wait for the rest of the. We're gonna. Okay. I think it's a little too early. We're gonna wait for the next week's show when we have more matches. We only have two matches, Paul. So I don't think we we could predict yet. And then, actually, you know, I wonder if they're gonna try to throw Jade Cargill on now, like right away into the championship for the women's. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, she'd be a good opponent for Rhea Ripley. And of course, the other big match on Fastlane, John Cena and a mystery partner who we know who it is versus Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa. So it's interesting. And it's interesting how they worked it out on last Friday's SmackDown. Jimmy and Solo Sokoa were beaten down and injuring John Cena. And then it's rumored that LA Knight was supposed to. Yeah, I heard that. But LA Knight got COVID last week. Mm-hmm. So he cannot be in the ring. So now they're, you know, now they're saying, oh, John Cena doesn't have a tag team partner. Who's it going to be? So apparently it's going to be LA Knight, which I think it's cool. I think it's cool to see John Cena. Dude, I, I think what they should have done is scrap that and just bring LA Knight in later on. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Scrap the initial plan with LA Knight and then just bring him on later on to be with Cena. After the, after the, like. Maybe he could save Cena or something during the pay per view when he's getting beaten down. But who's but you can't have a handicap match with John Cena. He has to have no. I'm saying team. he could have a tag team partner, but have somebody else other than L.A. Knight, and L.A. Knight could make the save on the pay per view. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, I think it's cool. I think it'll be cool to see Cena and L.A. Knight as a team. You know, because they're you know they're both the baby faces, and it's only going to help L.A. Knight's career, I think. Um, yeah. Because he's really over right now, and I think he just needs a little bit more. And I don't know. I I kind of like the idea of them being. The thing that scares me is he's ever on his own, and Vince doesn't like that. Because look at what happened with Mark, Matt Cardona. Matt well, Cardona was so over with the Zack Ryder thing, and Vince hated that, so Vince just kind of buried him. I don't think that's the case for LA Knight. They're two di- very different personas, man. Well, even Rusev. Look at Rusev. Rusev got on over, over on his own, too, and then Vince buried him after that. Yeah. So yeah. Vince doesn't There's... like people getting over on their own. Like uh, He wants them to be pushed. He wants to I push don't him. know if that's true, man. I mean, he, if that's the case, he would have gotten rid of Cena a long time ago, you know? Cena I don't know. Won. 
You don't think Cena got over on his own? No, Cena got pushed by Vince. I mean, but I'm saying like, I'm saying like, like if they got over with the crowd that Vince then push him, he gets upset because he's like, hey, I didn't create this. You yeah. know. I don't know. All right, I got one more thing, and that's uh, Hulk Hogan is now married for the third time. He uh, tied the knot with his girlfriend, Sky Daly. What a name, Sky Daly. Now they've only Does she been... look like his uh, daughter? Because then the last one looked like his daughter. Well, the last one, he likes blondes. We do know that because all, yeah. all his wives have been blonde. And apparently they're only engaged for two months. And they got married just two months after that, which is crazy. Well, how old's his wife? She's 45 years old. So he's and like double Hogan, her age. Hulk Hogan is 70. That's crazy. And you know what's crazy? His new wife is only 10 years older than Brooke. Brooke is 35. That's crazy. And Brooke, there's a lot of controversy as to why Brooke wasn't in attendance. And Brooke actually took to her social media to explain why she wasn't there. So she said, as we all experienced experiences with our own families the dynamics of a family unit continuously change over the years with that being said my family has experienced a lot of change with all of it happening in the public eye i've had to learn how to best navigate those changes as they come which has been very difficult to say the least so apparently then his his ex-wife marry like the his uh, son's best friend or something like that I think, yeah, I think I remember that. That's kind of weird. So it's like that, that whole family's all messed up to begin with. It's, it's messed up. And I think probably Brooke didn't improve this woman. I don't Apparently, she's like a yoga instructor. So, well, uh, she was trying to get Hawk to push her for like singing and stuff too, wasn't she? Yeah. Because I know, you know, York Fair, she, she had Hawk Hogan actually brought her to York Fair to sing. I don't know if you knew that or not. So he was, he came up here to the York Fair to have her like do a concert or something once. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, it's attractive, you know, she's the, the, the new wife, but, uh, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, she just wanted to, um, address the matter and instead of leaving to speculation, that's why she talked about, sure. um, said that so more or less, fa- you mean she doesn't like the new wife and she doesn't want anything to do with it. Probably. I mean, she said that the family has experienced a lot of change yeah. with all of it happening in the public eye. I've had to learn how to best navigate those changes as yeah. they come which has been difficult to say the least. So there you yeah. go. All right. Um, well, with, um, with that, we always close the, um, the show, uh, Big Paul, with uh, sad rest in pieces. Um, yeah. Let's start with um, actor and rapper Nashawn Breedlove um, actually had the rap battle with Eminem in 8 Mile. He was only 46. Okay. Uh, died in his sleep, and the cause of death is unknown. And, um, man, it's, uh, I remember that very, very pivotal scene in eight mile. And, um, yeah, it's said that he, he is no longer with us. Also, we lost David McCallum who played Dr. Donald Mallard on the CBS procedural NCIS. And, um, well, I thought he went by ducky, didn't he? Ducky. Yep. And, yeah. uh, Ilya, Kuryakin on the 60s series, The Man from Uncle. I'm not familiar with that series. I saw an actor colleague post, like, I, I watched that as a kid. I'm like, my God, yeah. you're old. <laughs> yeah. But uh, The Man from Uncle uh, sadly passed away at the age of 90 um, due to natural causes. 
And um, of course, yes, as you were alluding to earlier, Paul, I didn't want to throw it out right away, but yes, yeah. Baltimore legend, Hall of Fame third baseman Brooks Robinson, uh, made him one of the most beloved and accomplished athletes in Baltimore history. Sadly, did you ever get? Did you ever get to meet him? At the age of eighty-six, and um, yes, I remember I attended one event years and years ago. I think I was really young, and he was signing autographs. And uh, I remember I have to find that autograph now. But um, yes, he was a part of the Orioles family since yeah. 1955. Uh, I remember him announcing games. I met him when I was like five years old. He gave me exactly. like an autograph baseball. Like, yeah. He was like the nicest guy in the world. He would talk stories. He would tell. I mean, yeah. and he was a great announcer for years. I don't know if you remember him announcing the Orioles games back in the 80s into the 90s. Yeah, he's a very integral part of, of the Orioles. Yep. And apparently the Orioles held a moment of silence before their game against the Nationals. Even though I'm um, wearing an Earl Weaver jersey, I mean, this is just from his era. That's okay. So. You're, you're wearing the Orioles jersey, and the Orioles are hot right now. So, I mean. Well, it's hot or Brooks Robinson, too. But but yes, that's true. Um, you've been keeping up with the Orioles. Uh, how, yeah. how are we looking? How are we looking the, 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 I would like to see a rematch of the 83 World Series, the Orioles versus the Phillies again. I mean, the Phillies have to have a tougher schedule than the Orioles do in the playoffs, so they make it. Well, they will make it. But. Well, what, what do you what do you think now? What do you think of the um, the O's chances right now in the? Uh... Um, for the AL, I think they have a pretty good chance. I mean, they've beaten a lot of the teams that are going in for the AL. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I think I mean they have a good young team. It's just a matter of their pitching holding up and their bullpen holding up, and I mean, as I said, they're a young team, so this is probably the first and a few to come. Yeah. Because they yeah. were supposed to finish dead last, and they exceed. They beat the Yankees, who probably have the highest payroll in the league. And the Yankees are dead last in the division. So and that's that's our, our our rival for so many years from the Orioles for sure. Plus, I think the Orioles might actually get the Rookie of the Year this year, which is Gunnar Henderson. So I think he's going to probably win the AL Rookie of the Year. Nice. Let's let's hope that happens, Big Paul. And I got one more rest in peace to uh, throw out. Um, and he's not a celebrity, but he is a, speaking of Baltimore legends, he was a Baltimore legend for so, uh, certain groups in, in social circles in, in, in Baltimore and the nightlife scene. Uh, his name is Vincent Sharps. He was a friend. He's from Columbia, Maryland, sadly passed away this past Sunday. And um, he uh, was VP of um, Versatech and Previously was VP of MindGrub Technologies. He was a uh, an entrepreneur, very smart guy, yeah. very social guy. He had a lot of friends. I mean, just just looking at his social media, he um, he will be very very missed. Um, no cause of death has been uh, disclosed yet, but um, rest in peace, Vincent Sharps. Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually uh, from our sister show, Click on This was a guest host for one episode of Click On This. He also was interviewed by our buddy Johnny Alonzo um, when we did an episode of Click On This for an event that was, he had, a, I, if you didn't know, Vincent Sharp had actually had a local reality show called The Good Fellows of Baltimore. It was him and six other guys that were entrepreneurs and philanthropists and they would do good deeds throughout the city. And um, when, I think so I wonder if I know him. I just don't re- recognize the name. Yeah, Vincent Sharp is a very was a good guy, man, and it's very very sad that he's no longer with us. He's only forty five years old. Well, that's young. So rest rest in peace. Um, 
And of course, with death, we celebrate life. For those, another um, tour around the sun. Let's uh, say happy birthday to Harry Tagawa. You might remember him from the Mortal Kombat movie. I think he was the original. Actually, you know what I remember him from? He was on, he was a, wasn't he the captain on Nash Bridges before Nash Bridges took over? He's been in so much, dude. He was yeah. in Pearl Harbor. Yeah, he's 73 yeah. today. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Sean Cassidy of the uh, the Cassidy family, the Hollywood Cassidy family, 65 today. And we just talked about Mark Maron's podcast because that's where Chevy Chase was a guest. Yeah. And we talked about how he they didn't like his community castmates. Mark Maron is 60 today. Happy birthday, Mark. I honestly think they probably felt the same way about Chevy Chase. Yes, probably so. I think so. I think... um. I think some one of the Yvette Nicole Brown actually retweeted what he said with um oh he was very nice or something like that with sarcasm you know what I mean so no they didn't like like Chevy either it's it's sad it's sad that he was such an asshole so mm-hmm. um, I mean I guess if you have everybody saying you're great and you're I mean I even think I heard rumors that uh, Dan Aykroyd didn't like Chevy Chase either so I mean because he Originally, Chevy Chase, I think, was supposed to be Peter Venkman, and he's Dan Eckert said, "No, I don't want him in here. I'd rather have Bill Murray." Maybe. I think that's what I heard originally. So, uh, let's see. Actor Patrick Muldoon is fifty-five. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is fifty-one. Happy birthday, Gwyneth! I didn't realize she was that old. Yeah, and Dira Varma, you might know her as the Queen of the Sand Snakes from yep. uh, Game of Thrones. Also, she was in the Andor series. Yeah, she's been a lot. No, it's, I'm sorry, not Andor. She was an Obi Wan. Uh, she's 50. Um, actress Anna Camp from True Blood and Pitch Perfect is 41. Uh, rapper Lil Wayne is 41. Avril Lavigne loves some Avril Lavigne. She's 39. Happy birthday. Now, is this the real Avril Lavigne or is this the body double according to the internet theory? Oh, that's just a, that's a big hoax, man. <laughs> it's the real Avril. Uh, let's see. Sam Lerner, actor from The Goldbergs, is 31. And young actor Ames McNamara from The Connors TV show is 16. I believe he that show still on or did that show get canceled? I was kind of wondering. No, it's still on. Even after, after, after Roseanne's departure, it, it still became a hit, you know? So... Dude, that's birthday today, and I think we're, we're wrapped up tonight, Paul, at a decent hour. Okay. And uh, we're going to end tonight's show, guys, with a great interview I conducted. That's right, Angel Manuel Soto. <laughs> Dude, that's you should favorite. say, "Hey, I need a roll in your movie because I know." I told him. I told him. <laughs> hey, man, Soto and Soto, man, we got to be a team. I told him that, and I, I was happy to talk to him. He talked about Bluebeard. He talked about how happy. It was to 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 be part of um of James but Gunn. See, but see, know? honestly, I think that whole uh, like the way that DC's handling it, I, I think they they don't have any messages in their stuff. Like Disney's starting to do with Marvel, and I think that's going to yeah. be the so eventually. I think uh, DC once it finds its footings, going to probably be better than the Marvel universe. Maybe I'm wrong. We will see what happens, right? But let's go ahead and uh, let's close out tonight's uh, B2B okay. call with this uh, exclusive interview with Angel Manuel Soto. And uh, next week, Paul, we're going to play the remaining interviews from Noche Musical. I interview Camila Marone and actor Ramon Rodriguez from Will Trent. And, of course, Camila was in Daisy Jones and the Six. 
Um, we've got some great interviews from this event. Um, and of course, next week are um, our pay-per-view picks uh, for the next uh, pay-per-view. What is it called? <laughs> I forgot what it is called. Fastlane. Fastlane yeah. pay-per-view. Uh, so, Which is that, a weird that, pay-per-view name, too. That doesn't seem like it belongs with that. Na- it sounds like a NASCAR thing, then. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a fan of the name. I think it's a lame name. But, anyways, uh, let's go ahead and conclude tonight's show. Here's Angel Manuel Soto, guys. On behalf of the panel, which includes uh, Dean on the scene, Rogers. Thanks for joining us for the first half. Thank you so much, Barth Paul Wallace, the Sith Lord. I am a Sith Lord. (laughs) That's right. I'm Al Celebrity Soto, and my Star Wars name is Han Soto. Uh, we'll see you guys next may week. May the force be with you. And may the force be with you. Until then, peace. All right, good. All right. Alberto Soto con Angel Manuel Soto. <laughs> Same last name, double T, single T. But, anyways, wow, last time we talked, we're at Charm City at Sundance, yeah. Charm City Kings. And now we're here. At the uh, the NHFA for an amazing event, Noche Musical, yeah. uh, and congratulations on our Raúl Julia Award. That's crazy. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, I, I, I it, it sat, like, it, it sank on me today. Yes. Because I grew up admiring Raúl Julia's work. Like, he's a not only is he a fellow Boricua, but he's also from the same neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. And and for me, I remember my mom always being so proud yeah. that he is from the same municipality as we are. Oh. And here receiving this award and what this award means is like, okay, I I I I want to be a brick in this castle that we're building nice. for representation. Yeah, so hopefully great. more people come in, join the party, and you know, represent us because we're not a monolith. So we need a lot of bricks in order to make this house stable. Absolutely. Now, Cholo Maladueni was a recipient last year, and which is crazy. Uh, interesting parallel. You're the director of Blue Beetle. He was talking about, about it last year, but now we can talk a little about it. It's an amazing, amazing film. Thank you. Uh, wow. Uh, what was your highlight working on that project, man? I think the highlight for me working on that project, uh, I have to say two things. Yeah. One was being able to work with Latino talent yes. uh, on a big uh, budget yeah. Hollywood movie. It's, it's unfathomable to me. Like, I never thought that was a possibility. Yes. And the fact that it happened and that I was able to be a part of it, like work with all these amazing Latino actors and writers that I've learned to admire. For me, that was a dream come true. The other one was being able not only to do that, but also to bring that big budget movie to Puerto Rico and be able to bring it to Puerto Rico, shoot in Puerto Rico, inject to the economy, use Puerto Rican talent and use landmarks that I grew up that when I was a young kid, like a a fortress of El Morro or Castillo San Cristobal. Yes. When I was a little kid, I remember watching Indiana Jones and being like, oh, like one day, maybe I'll yeah. shoot an action sequence in here. And we did. 30 years later, but we did. So oh. being able to like not just do that, but understand that my dreams can come true. That is not impossible. Yes. Uh, and the words of Raul Julia, you know, lo imposible no es boricua. Yes. So 
that for me is so important. So for me, it just feels full circle. Yes. Phenomenal film, by the way. Amazing Castrolo, of course, George Lopez. Um, now, James Gunn says that that uh, the version of Blue Beetle is the first in the DCU. How, how do you feel about that? So it's going to carry over into his new universe. I mean, it's uh, for me, it feels like a validation, yeah. right? Uh, validation from the studio that the work that we did, that yeah. the heart and soul that we put into this project was received in a way that they wanted to continue in this new universe they're creating. Yes. And hearing him say that this is the first character of his new universe, it just shows you that yes. by being unapologetically ourselves, we can cause such a dent that it will set up a new universe for yeah. DC. That, that means sequel, right? I hope, Dos. I hope so. Dos. I mean, we left it open. <laughs> it's up to yeah. the studio to continue his story. But the fact that he's part of this universe, the first hero of the yeah. James Gunn's universe, yeah. It just, uh, it's very, um, positive in our heads that it could happen. Yeah, it could I happen. I love it. I love it. Of course, once this writers and actor strike is over, I know you got Wrecking Crew with Jason Momoa and Dave Batista in the works. <laughs> what, what can you tell us about this project? Uh, it's a fun, uh, it's, it's both fun and deep, um, okay. and full of action, uh, bromance story. You know, we, <laughs> we, we were having a lot of fucking on it and talking about, how we wanted to go back to those uh, buddy cup movies of the 80s and the 90s. We need more of those. And embrace that. Yes. But, you know, the same way that we did throw, we did like a throwback superhero movie with Blue Beetle. Yes. Do like a throwback buddy cup genre. Oh, way like that. Yeah. That's what's up. I think that's yeah. what we need to see. Yeah, man, I mean, yeah. they were great. You remember yeah, those? I think so. yeah, they were yeah. awesome. At the Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, little Lethal Weapon. weapon. Like yeah. we, I want to see more of that. Yes. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys. Angel Manuel Soto again. Thank you so much. Soto's in the house. Yes, Alberto Soto and Angel Soto in the house yeah. with uh, Belinda Belcho. Thank you so much. Well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying. Until next time, keep chilling like a villain. Bye, goodbye, goodbye.